Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. Hey, hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Glory Days of Gold. I'm Michael McCall. And I'm Lee Gillis. And we've got another packed show for you this week. We've got a fantastic interview coming up with an East Fife legend. And I know we don't like throwing that that word out too often, but he was with the club for six years. He gave it his all. He scored a vital goal for the club. That is David Div Muir. It's an interview that was a lot of fun, Lee, and oh, looking forward to everyone hearing this one. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong, we've had some absolutely fantastic guests. You know, Darren Young was great, Gary uh, Naismith, legend, um, Paul McManus, legend. But I, I said uh, on the, the Facebook page right after the interview, my face was actually aching from laughing. Um, you know, I've, I've known Div for a, a long time and I knew what sort of character he was and and. To be honest, I didn't actually give him as much credit as he probably deserved for how just funny he was. But that dressing room, um, the year we won the league, it, it just sounds like an oh. absolute hoot. Yeah, I, I mean, it's a lot of stuff that probably you wouldn't get away with now as well, just because everything's changed. But yeah, look forward to fans hearing that. Divs Muir's episode has been sponsored by the East Fife Supporters Club. So um, we want to thank Caroline Maxwell at East Fife Supporters Club for our donation. But before we get to, to that interview with Div, we want to look at some of the, the East Fife news of the week. We mentioned in the last episode that we were going to take a little bit of time and work our way through the supporters survey. So we've done that now. And there's some bits of it that we, we kind of want to go through with it. I, I didn't do the survey because being a remote fan, I didn't think it was really fair to, to give my answers. But it had 182 responses, Lee. Did, did you get a chance to fill it in? I did, yeah. I, I filled it in. It, some interesting stuff th- that I found from it. One of it is we seem to have quite an old fan base. According to the survey, and obviously it's only 182 responses out of the whole fan base, but it's the active re- responses. It, it came across as being a bit old, which to me is a little bit of a, of a worry, and we'll come to that in a sec, because the biggest percentage of respondees were in the 55 to 64 age category. Over half of the respondees were over 45. And when you're looking at at football clubs, you want to attract younger folk. When you're at the games these days, Lee, does it feel like it is an older crowd that's there? I don't know. I would probably say it's a fair mix. I like to still think that I'm maybe a younger fan, but, you know, if we think about the... That's fine, I'll take that. Um, You know, I started going to Bayview probably around 2000, so what's that, 20 years ago, I'd have been 10, 11. 
Um, but if it hadn't been for my dad being in East Fife and my uncle Roger and, and people like that, you know, I haven't had any reason to go. And I mean, I only live in Glenorthis, but I, I, what my concern is, is I think that we're maybe great at the club of capturing leaving mouth. Mm. But I think that maybe we could do a better job of going off this because it's only six miles ish away. You know, it's just as far as um, to to leave him than it is to Kirkcaldy. But I would probably say there's a bigger Rafe Rovers fan base in Glenorthis than there is East Fife. So it could be that we could maybe start to reach out to the schools in Glenorthis um, to maybe try and get some interest there. I think that's a good idea. I mean, when I when I was at school many years ago, now Fife Flyers came. To, to give a talk to our school and gave out free tickets and stuff. And then I started going to some Five Flyers games after that. And I wouldn't have if they hadn't actually come in and got into the school and kind of raised my interest with that. And Glenrothes is an interesting one. Because like, unsurprisingly, most of the fans fr- that responded from it, they were from Leaven, Methyl and Glenrothes. And that's the biggest bulk. Edinburgh had a fair few, which I was quite surprised about. And also Glasgow. And then there was like spread out throughout Fife. But you're looking at Glenrothes, there's not a team there in the Scottish League. There's obviously Glenrothes Juniors who have made big inroads at at trying to get into the the community because I follow them on Facebook and Twitter. So it does seem a a good market to to get into. I mean, how how do you feel they could get out more into the communities? Is it just a case of going to schools and getting the kids interested? We don't want to what happened once before, which is tons of kids got free tickets, but they didn't turn up with adults, and then the kids just run amok uh, at the stadium. Yeah. I don't know if you say every kid that comes in, the adult gets in for a kid's ticket. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. the, the kid will come in, they'll spend money at the, the pie shop. You know, you've got the club shop there, if they, they get the interest up in that. So, or, or even if you say, if you get a ticket, you get 50% off the club shop, whatever, just look at some sort of promotion. But I think in going off this, the issue is, is obviously the players have all got jobs. So, you know, they'll be working yeah. Monday to Friday. So it, it's difficult to get them into the schools. So who do you get to go in? It's, it's probably the, the first thing. And I know that if there's any of the, the people at the club, they'll probably tell you that this isn't something that they haven't thought of, but it's how they manage it. Could we, um, you know, if there's any of the players that are available just now, obviously I know that the furloughing kicks in, but could we look at getting them if we've got the players back training in August when the schools are back? Could we utilise that time to get the players in? You know, could we utilise people like Stephen Mill like with an absolute encyclopedia of his fife in his head to try and get the kids interested in it? I know Isla English does a great job at her school. Um, she's a teacher at, at teaching and um, telling kids and stuff about East fife. And I know that a few of her pupils go and stuff go along. So I don't know. I think that, you know, Glenorthis, you know, I've, I've got a bigger population than Stirling, for example which a lot of people are always quite surprised to hear, you know, Glenorthis is a big town. And I think that, you know, we don't, you know, Kirkcaldy have got Rafe Rovers, Dunfermline have got Dunfermline, Cowdenbeath have got Cowdenbeath, you know, self-explanatory. But, you know, that there's a huge chance here. And, you know, my dad says it all the time, years ago before we built New Bayview, we had the chance to ground share at Warout. And I still think that if we'd done that, the home fans that we'd have got would have been night and day. Yeah, I, I actually was going through a lot of my old like newspaper cuttings and stuff just for trying to stick stuff up on AFTN and I came across a lot of the things about the potential move to war out. I was all in favour for it, maybe being biased because I live in Glenrothes, but a, a lot of the local Leavenmouth community said they wouldn't go. I think they would though. I, I, 
I mean, it's not that far. If you're going from the East Nuke, it's just another 15 minutes up up the road, and it's still it's still part of the community. I mean, I don't think that will ever happen now. But the other thing, like something which a lot of the clubs out here do, like the, the Whitecaps are really good for this. Every single home game, they have youth clubs that come along. So they give them a group discount for tickets, and they can get a tour of the stadium, they can meet some players after the game, that kind of stuff. I don't know, obviously I'm a bit removed, I don't know how much of that has been done, but try and get connections with youth clubs, with with junior football teams, and by junior I mean like kids football teams, and try and get them into to getting into the habit of going along at Bayview. Not only that as well, but say for example, you, you spoke about the, you know, they're going off for strollers, teams mm. like that. You know, you get these boys the bug, you know what I mean? And, and that's what you hope for early is, is you get them the bug, like what I got, like what you got. Um, I think that it's it's very, very difficult just now with, you know, Sky Sports, BT Sports, when you're watching the Manchester United's, the Liverpool's and stuff for the world, and then you go down to Bayview with 500 fans and, a, yeah. and you know, it's not the same atmosphere or whatever. But I think that we need to do a better job as a nation, not even just as a team, getting our, our youth to fall in love with the game because yeah. I was saying this the other day is I couldn't tell you the last time I seen a kid walk past my house kicking a football you know I, I can't tell you that you know I've got the primary school right across from me you know you know like when I was younger we were literally across the park playing football constantly and and I don't think it's the, the game console generation because I grew up in that but I think that as a nation we could do more to sort of capture the the love of football again and I think that qualifying for a major tournament is a huge part of that I mean 1998 was obviously the last time I was nine so uh, um, in my complete football loving life it's something that I've yet to see and that's you know a a full generation that that haven't seen that It's, it's interesting you say that like in Canada we hosted the 2015 Women's World Cup and what that did for like young girls soccer here was amazing because they were watching a Canadian team on TV thinking, oh, I could be a, a footballer. And then the money that was raised from that went into grassroots football. And yeah, we, we've missed out on this. We've got one, maybe two generations of kids that's grown up not knowing what it's like to watch Scotland at a major tournament. And that's heartbreaking. It's something... I took for granted when I was a kid. It happened all the time. Every four years, oh, Scotland's there at the World Cup, and we just haven't had that. So, interesting to hear you saying about not seeing kids kicking footballs about. I something I never even thought about. But yeah, I mean, another thing, an interesting one from the survey is the gender split, because ninety point seven percent of those that completed it were men. Ninety nine point five percent were clarified themselves as, as white so I mean it's a case maybe getting more women along to games maybe getting more of the ethnic minority communities I mean I I take it there's a lot of like refugees and stuff that are in Fife just now they're going to have come from countries that they love football have the club made kind of outreach to them to, to come along and it's a safe atmosphere at, at Bayview. That was one of the other questions. Like, do you feel it's safe at Bayview? And everyone said, yeah. So it would be a, a good atmosphere to get them along to. And a lot of the success that Canadian clubs have had in particular is targeting non-Canadians. So could we look at targeting like non-Scottish people and 
even the Polish community, there's a large Polish community, surely they'd maybe be interested in coming along. Yeah, I mean, obviously working in retail, in particular, I worked in retail and going office for about six years, you see, obviously, the spectrum of people that come through the door. But you've got to think, even in the job that I'm in, I find it expensive to go to the football. You know, by the time that you've, you've for example, if you're a refugee, you'd have to get the bus, say, for, for example, from going office or whatever, to leave in, and then walk from the bus station and leave in round to Bayview then background pay your £15 to get in or you know whatever the prices the tickets are going to be next season and it's, it's a lot of money so yeah. maybe maybe that's you know instead of kids maybe we could be looking at targeting you know various different communities um, whether it be the Islamic community or refugee community whoever whatever you know the more important most important thing is is, is we need to to grow our audience, if if we want to compete, you know, you know, Darren mentioned that on on his show that we need to get bigger crowds. Well, the other thing as well that's worrying is when you've got an older fan base, it's it's just a circle of life. They're going to pass on. We've lost a lot of like long time East Fife supporters over the last five ten years, and not all of them have even been older, it's a lot younger. So if we're not attracting that that new generation, that young breed, we are going to start having dwindling crowds because our, our fan base is sadly going to pass away, move away. Even when you get older, you don't want to be sitting in the winter freezing your ass off if you're in your 60s or 70s or 80s either. So you might not go to all the games then. I mean, which is actually, that was one of the other things. It was like, only 40.7% of fans that responded said that they attended all home games and 30.2% attended less than half. I was really surprised by that. Only 38.5% had season tickets as well. Over half of those had it for over six years, which is good because we're, we're keeping the fans that we've got. But that, when you've not got season tickets and you've not got fans attending all the home games it's then harder to keep hold of those fans because they kind of move away a little bit more. And that, that I think, must be a concern as well. I, I was genuinely surprised by those figures because I thought most of our fan base would have attended pretty much all the home games. Well, you look at somebody like me, you know, I'm, I'm diehard East Fife, Fife through and through, but if you've got a job that you work in retail and it involves a Saturday, you can't get. Right. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I filled that in, but I would have been one of the statistics, you know, so the thing about a survey is it's skewed because you're only getting the results of the people that have done it. You're not getting everybody's yeah. um, full input. So I think that it's, you know, I, I think that there'll be a lot of very valid things in that, but there'll be a lot of things in it that are skewed because of the audience that filled it in. Yeah. So for example, if you, if you look at the, the one with the age gap, you know, that was a long survey. I wonder how many people jacked it in halfway through, like particularly if you're in the, the sort of millennial generation, you have the attention span of a goldfish and just went, nah, sack this, this is taking ages. So you've got to look at that as well. Yeah, I mean, that's true. I mean, you can only take these surveys with a kind of pinch of salt and sometimes the questions are a little bit skewed as well in them. I, I did like when it said, what does East Fife mean to you, was one of the questions. And there were six key words highlighted, and they were family, community, history, friendship, local team, pride. We've spoken about a lot of these things on previous shows, and a lot of replies, 
it boils down to what you just said earlier. It's like, hook them young, they'll stay with the club. And it goes back to what we've talked about before in about attracting new fans. If people have kids, I know you'll be keen to, to bring your little one along to games at some point. And it's then, if they like it, obviously you can't make a kid want to go to something if they don't have any interest in it. And maybe your daughter will grow up as a Wraith Rovers fan. And I'm sure you would you would embrace her for that. No. Um... <laughs> <laughs> it's funny just now because obviously being on furlough, I've been home a lot and I've been wearing like my Man United tops and stuff around the house. And I'll come downstairs and my daughter will go, Daddy's wearing Manchester United. And I'll say, yeah. And then my wife goes, uh, just, in fact, it was just this morning, she goes, what about Liverpool? Oh, Liverpool, yuck. And I was like, yes. So I'm getting her brainwashed from a young age. She could tell me she could, she, you know, she could come home and support whoever. I, I genuinely don't mind as long as it's not the Rovers or Kelly. Um, so she could pick anyone else. <laughs> um, but look, I, I think one of the things that I, I forgot to touch on that I've got on my notes here actually is, I want to give a shout out to the the, the, the sort of ultras, the, the, the young boys that are going to the games just now. They're absolutely brilliant, yeah. banging their drums, playing their music. And we've got a, a, a big following from them on the on the social media side of things. Saying they, they tend to jump on quite a lot of the stuff that we say. You know, that's massive. That is so, so important because if you get a group of young boys all back at school, oh, we're going to watch his Fife on Saturday and it's brilliant because we'll do this, we'll do that, blah, blah, blah. I mean, realistically, when I, I think about the East Fife fans my age or, or about my age, you know, I think of people like Scott Young, Cameron Galloway, Craig Brown, Isla, Lauren, you know, people like that. But really, we were a, you know, Laura Anderson, people like that. So you, you think about that age group, that there, there's, there's still that core there, but it's not really expanded. You know what I mean? There's not really been yeah. a... You know, I mean, the amount of times that I've taken friends or wives or, you know, whoever to the football and they've went, this is shite because it's cold and, you know, X, Y, or Z, and, and then you just kind of get them back. So it, these young boys are doing a great job of, of getting their mates along. And that, and if you are listening, boys, keep doing that. Tell as many people as you can about the club. And I think that the, the main thing that these boys are seeing that we, well, I personally didn't grow up seeing a lot was a good team on the park. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I like I was at the game first of February, Bayview, a home at Dumbarton, and I sat in front of where the ultra guys were and it was a fantastic atmosphere. It's what I'm kinda used to over here because that's what a lot of North American soccer has. They've got the ultra groups and they've got the supporters groups with drums and stuff. And I know it's not everyone's cup of tea. And it's maybe trying to find that happy medium. The atmosphere at Bayview has always been pretty poor. You get the East Fife cha-cha-cha. We used to be up the back. We'd be singing our stuff as well. But you didn't get a lot of buy-in from round about. It's, it's changing that and finding something for everyone. I do want to touch on, though, on what you said. You said you, you've brought wives, plural, to games. Now, is this your own or just other people's wives? I would respectfully like to um, say no comment to that, Michael. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> when I say wives, I meant... I was speaking in the, the male populace, the 99.5% male populace that go to games. You know, if you, it, I mean, you took your wife there and these five games, you sat at the back and read a book, if I remember she right. She did, so, yep, up at Elgin. <laughs> and I took her to East Stirling because that's how loving I am. I take her to the shitholes of Scottish football. Didn't take her to Albion Rovers. That would have possibly been a, a divorce, I think. That would be the final straw. 
Yeah. Um, or cowed and beef or something like that. Um, I think the only games that uh, my wife went to, she went to a couple of games at home and then I took her to Kilmarnock away when we drew them in the cup um, after beating Aberdeen, um, which Div talks a bit about in his episode. That was one of the games that she went to and, and her only memory of that game was, that's the first time I had a steak and haggis pie and it was amazing. <laughs> well, your wife likes football though, so that helps. It does help, but um, like she'll say herself, she'll say, I like football, but as he's five football. So she, she, she's not, you know, she's not into Scottish football. She likes Liverpool. That's probably about it. But, you know, realistically, it's difficult. If, if you've not grown up loving East Fife, it's trying to bring somebody into that. And again, yeah. that's where the, the, the young boys are doing a great job. Yeah, that's why you also need the, the community outreach. And it, it, it is hard for a club like East Fife because you're competing against, even more so now, because you're getting every English Premiership game on TV, so folk are going to be used to that. If when the Scottish Premier season starts and fans aren't allowed back in and folk can play and watch stuff online, you're competing against that as well. It, it's hard to see how they can go about doing it. Definitely community outreach is part of it. There were questions in the survey around online content and what fans would like to see. And again, that's kind of going back to attracting younger fans because you've got different ways now about how different age groups kind of consume all their material. I I, I love Twitter. I'm big on Twitter. I'm on Twitter way too much. And it's a toxic place. It's horrible at times. And I, I like it for the good parts of it in that I can talk to a football fan anywhere in the world about football that I don't know, and it's great. And I think the club have got better with doing their social media aspect of it. I I can't be bothered with stuff like TikTok, even Instagram. It's not something I'm bothered with. Anyone that's listening to this, most of our social media, I'd say probably 95% of it is done by Lee. So he's the younger one. Uh, I think we need to get more into that kind of market. But I think to do that and to appeal to the younger fans, we might need to have like a working group of younger fans that work with a, a board member, an associate director who oversees a kind of youth working group. And they can say, well, kids our age or young adults of our age would like to see this. We'd like to see you do some TikTok videos, have the players do fun stuff like that. I've talked about Alfonso Davies on the show before. He's massive with his social media and TikTok, and folk feel that they know him because he's just so out there with him and his girlfriend, and it's engaging. And I think if the players were doing maybe more stuff like that, it would maybe appeal more to the younger fans. Yeah, but you don't want to thrust something upon the players that they maybe don't want to do. And look, mm. you know, the, the social media side of things, I think that, you know, I'm sure Laura does a lot of the, the social media side of things, and she does a great job. Um, so, and I mean, the, the difference in our social media now to five, six years ago oh, is, yeah. is night and day. Yeah. Night and day. Um, you know, the EFTV stuff, you know, the highlights, getting that on there. What we've done in the downtime, we've been playing old matches and stuff. You know, they, they're doing an excellent, excellent job. The TikTok side of things, look, that we can't get away from it. It's absolutely massive. You know, I try to fight it as long as I can. And then, you know, I'm, I'm watching TikToks and stuff myself now. I'm embarrassed to say. But, you know, I think that we do need to maybe jump on that bandwagon, even if it's just player interviews or getting them to do the dances or whatever, if they're up for it. But you've got to get the boys that are, you know, daft enough to do it. 
Aye, we, we need to get some young, good-looking guys out there as well, get the female fans in, swooning over them. Well, I mean, if they need me to come in and do a couple uh, of TikToks to, to bring the fans in, you know, I'm always available. You know, the club have got my number, so... Well, I mean, let's be honest, if you and me were going to be doing it for the podcast, it would be you I would be putting up there. But no one wants <laughs> to see someone my age trying to do a TikTok video. No, I don't, let's be honest, I think I look about 41, even though I'm only 31, but... Um... I, I did register an AFTN TikTok and Twitch account just because I wanted to have the accounts. I'm never going to use it. No, I think, you know, if there is more of East Fife in games like FIFA or whatever, then, you know, Twitch could be maybe utilised for that, but... I think that you know TikTok's maybe one that we could get get involved on, and I'm not just saying this because it's ours, but I think that the podcast has probably come on at the right time because podcasts are are, are really really big, um, and I think that in terms of capturing a different audience, then that could be utilised there too. So I know that the club, um, the feedback that we've had from the club is that they think it's a good thing. Dev Muir speaks in his episode about what he thinks that the that the podcast and stuff can do for the club and, and I mean that, that's what we're trying to do we're, all that we're about is, is, is East Fife and try to do as best as we can yeah I mean absolutely what's your thoughts on the website because a lot of folk in the survey said it kind of seemed a little bit outdated it's hard to use on mobile devices I, I liked it I thought it, it wasn't bad but I usually use it on laptop yeah, I mean, I'll be honest with you, I couldn't actually tell you the last time that I used it. I find the club shop a bit, a bit difficult to navigate. I mean, I've been trying to um, pick up some kits and stuff for my daughter and, you know, I ended up just going directly to the Football Nation site because it was that little bit more user-friendly. I don't think that there's the same demand for a website now with how active social media is, if I'm being honest. Um, I think that, you know, you, you use the website to catch up on news now, but when everything's tweeted out, Facebooked out, Yes, yeah. that another about. I don't think there's the same demand. Um, I get why it's there for maybe people that aren't familiar with the club, but I think that the social media does enough of the talking that I don't really think that we really, really need it. Yeah, most of the news that I get is from Twitter, and I very seldom go on the the Whitecaps website because everything's tweeted out. Even the videos that they do is tweeted out, so you can just watch it all on Twitter. You never have to actually physically visit the website. I mean, the club shop, the online one, yeah, I do agree. It's a, maybe not the, that's possibly the worst part of the site. What do you feel about, like, in the stadium as well? Because although I said lots of, the vast majority of fans find the stadium safe and welcoming, the suggested improvements were safe standing or terracing, which I think most of us can get behind, bigger pie stall with a better selection, which from my visit there as well, I thought was a good selection. From my experience, the the, the club shop, the, the pie shop and stuff um, has always been great. Good quality, good selection. The only thing is, is the queue is always massive. Yeah. Um, and I think that that'll put a lot of people off. That's the only thing I could think of. Well, the survey did say that 76.4 buy food and drink on match day. So, I mean, that's great for the club. You're bringing in quite a lot of money from that. But then it does also show that you maybe do need maybe a second pie stall or something like that. I mean, when I was back in February, the pie that I had was second to none. It was absolutely fantastic. I was at four games, I think, in my trip back between England and Scotland and had a pie each one. And the Bayview one was by far and away the best pie. Yeah, um, can't criticise the, the quality of the food and stuff in there at all. Genuinely can't. Um, every time I'm there, 
steak pie guaranteed. I'm sure that it's Moreland's that we get it from. Um, I think so. Which, so you know, you, you, you can't beat a Moreland's pie, really, can you? Um, so, no, I mean, I, I don't have any issues with that um, at all. I think that what I tend to do is I tend to get in 10, 15 minutes before the game and get my pie then because if you're trying to get one at, at half time, you're absolutely no chance. Aye. So, so looking at trying to make money or more money from the club, obviously getting more bums in the seat's going to do that, but you also want to look at other ways of generating it. The, the club shop, it's great having the Porta cabin. I do think it would benefit from being a little bit bigger or being somewhere else in the stadium, but that's difficult as well. The lottery as well, a lot of folks said they either knew about it but didn't take part or they weren't even really sure what it is. It's not something I've ever taken part in myself, but these are the kind of things, and along with hospitality, which I've done a couple of times at Bayview in the past, and it's been fantastic, but these are the kind of things that's going to bring more money into the club that I think they have to try and get out there. Yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, my only criticism of the shop was when my daughter was you know, just born and up until now. I mean, she the only East Fife top that she has got is four to five and she's three. They, they didn't do anything for young ages. And I spoke to quite a few East Fife fans with young kids. We couldn't get our kids a top. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that they're perhaps alienating a, an age group that we could maybe look at, at expanding. Um, I think that the new tops have maybe got a wee bit more sizes in them. I, I mean, I actually ended up writing to Football Nation saying, look, is there any chance you can make me a smaller kit for her? Because I've been desperate to get her in black and gold, but I've not managed to do it yet. Um, so I think that we definitely could do a wee bit better with that. I'll be personally honest, and it's not an attack on the club whatsoever. When I go into the club shop, I, I think a lot of the stuff looks cheap and tacky. Um, I think that we could do, uh, again, our target audience are going to be kids i think that we could is, is an area that we could we could really expand on as you get into your sort of 30s 40s 50s you don't see many people wearing the nice five kit you know what i mean you don't see many people wearing the tops now i'll still buy a top 100 percent, i'll still buy a top but i know that it's not everybody's cup of tea so i think that we could definitely do with targeting the youth generation um with that um you know there's there's you know universal phone cases there's just not an awful lot for me that we're really diversifying our product range. And I think that things like mobile phone cases, you know, covers for your Apple AirPods, you know, that all the kids have got, these are the sort of things that are probably cheap as anything to get. Because, I mean, if you look at the Apple AirPods case, it's literally that size. Um, Obviously, the listeners can't see this in the podcast, but I'm showing a very small size to, to Michael right now. Don't make any jokes. Um, you did. We could, I know you did. So I could see it. It was like Tourette syndrome there. You were jumping in your seat. Um, but, you know, it, it wouldn't take much to get a black and gold case. Pennies. Yeah. And the, the danger is, if the club don't do stuff like that, it's easy to go and do your custom ones online yourself. So folk will just go and do stuff like that. You know, for example, you could buy, you can see it all the time, the, the retro kits that you get made into phone cases. Yeah. You know, how easy for it, would it be for us to tie my supplier and, and say, for example, I could get, I don't know, um, for example, I think it's Chris Ward, the name of the guy has designed the things on his Twitter um, and does all the gifts and stuff for the Twitter page. He designed the screen covers. So I've got mine with Gillis and the number four on it, right? I've still... Who needs a picture of their kid when you can have your name on these <laughs> But, you know... Yeah, it's like, who, don't want family or anything. You want football stuff. Absolutely. Um, so, I mean, 
if they said, you know, we'll tie in with this company and we'll say, right, we'll order cases for the, the latest iPhone, the latest Samsung, for example, test the water with it and just say, right, we'll charge you 15 quid, 10 quid. I mean, I, I would spend 15, 20 quid on a case for my phone if it was going to be East Fife um, and it was a good quality, 100%. And the margin in that is bound to be massive because it's just a bit of plastic. Aye, so it's, it's definitely something we could look at. The other thing I won't go into about the supporters survey was it asked about expectations about how the team can do in cups, which I thought was a weird one because I expect us to do well every year. But you could be drawn against Celtic or Rangers or another Premier team at some point and you're, you're out of the first hurdle. So it's like, it's tough to to say that you could get an easy draw. I was going to say against non-league teams, but we've kind of struggled the last couple of seasons against non-league teams. But you, you could get an easy draw and make it to the quarters or the semis of the Scottish Cup very easily. It's all the luck of the draw. I'll be honest with you. See, when I look at like the Betfred Cup and the Edinburgh Fizzwiz Cup or whatever the hell it's called this year. Alex um, Caramel Waver. Oh, yeah, it'll be the Tea Cake Cup next year than the McVitie's Chocolate Digestive. Oh, um, so. Yeah, exactly. Just think how, how much t-shirts we could sell then, Mike. But if, look, if, um, for me, in terms of cup expectations, uh, I know this is going to sound bad, but it generally doesn't put me up or down because we're never going to win it, right? Let's, let's cards on the table, right? We're, we're not going to win it. So, you know, would I love a trip to hand them? Of course I would, you know, absolutely. Um, if we could reach the semifinals, it would probably be the pinnacle of my East Fife supporting career. But... I would much rather that we focused all our time and energy on the league. Um, I believe that the League Cup's got the potential to be optional next year. I'm sure I read an article on that somewhere. I'm sure, don't quote me, but I'm sure I read an article on it somewhere that the League Cup, um, you're not going to be automatically enrolled in it. If East Fife came out and said, you want to know what, we're not going to enroll in it this year, it genuinely wouldn't upset me. It would have set me because of our rich history in it. And I'm a huge advocate for cup football. And I hate modern football because cups are just so undervalued by teams and they put out like fringe players and stuff. And it just pisses me off no end. But I mean, I'd I'd be gutted if we weren't in the cup. Realistically, yeah, we're probably never going to win anything apart from the the next Caramel Waver Cup or whatever it's going to be called at that point. And we came close with that farcical Ireland Ross County situation that we had, but yeah. Let us okay, know. If, 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 if we went on and won that, I would be absolutely over the moon. You know, you look at the teams that have won it and when Rovers won it and stuff yeah. like, you know, you, you would love to win it, but equally in my limited time that I get off at the weekends, if I got, if I'm looking at my rota and I'm like, right, we're playing Dumbarton at home in the league or we're playing... X, Y, or Z, Colts team, or we're playing Elgin in the Tonics Caramel Wafer Fizzwiz Iron Brew Cup, I would probably be like, well, I'm not going to bother with that. I'll just go to the, the the league game. And even when we played like Hearts and Dundee United in pre-season, I, I look at that and I'm just like, it's just a friendly. Yeah. And that that's my mindset personally, but it could be again that's a generation generational thing when you're watching TV in the and uh, it's the FA Cup and you know Man City are playing their Diddy team or whatever. It's maybe just a generational thing, but look at as listeners, let us know. Um, feel free to call us out um, if, if if you agree, disagree. Let us know. Yeah, and just a good time to let everyone know we've changed the the Twitter username. It's now the name of the podcast, so it's at Glory Days of Gold. 
So let us know your thoughts on, on cup football. Let us know your thoughts on the supporters survey as well. We'd be interested to, to hear what you thought about the questions, what, what your thoughts on everything is, what, what we've just talked about just now. So you can get in touch with us on Twitter or send us an email at glorydaysofgold at gmail.com. But that is it for this part. We're going to be bringing you our feature interview next. And it's a cracker. So grab your favourite hot beverage, a chocolate digestive, sit back and enjoy a wonderful chat with Dev Muir. So delighted now to be joined by a guy that spent six seasons at Bayview before moving across the Atlantic for love. Thanks for coming on the show today, Dev. Thanks for having me, guys. We appreciate it. And for, for those of you that don't know you, you've moved over to Canada. You're in Kingston, Ontario. This is the first episode where we've actually had two people on this side of the Atlantic and only one back in Scotland. So I'm quite happy with that. So first thing to ask you then, I guess, Dev, is what was the lockdown like for you? Um, for me personally, it's been, it's been uh, okay. Um, I haven't stopped working, which has been nice. My wife's still working away too, so that's been good. You just miss the, sh- the social aspect of life, though. It starts to uh, catch up with you a bit. So I'm, I'm ready for stuff to go back to normal, as I'm sure everybody else is. I, I mean, as a guy over there with a Scottish accent, I, I don't know how you found it like in the football circles there. And we'll, we'll kind of talk about the football that you've done over there later on, but... Do you find that just because you've got a Scottish accent, folk are like, oh, he knows all about the game. He totally understands everything. 100%. It's great. It is because you can tell them anything and they just believe it. They're like, oh, yeah, cool, man. <laughs> <laughs> but no, uh, there is, to where, where I am, and uh, it's not really, there's not really a lot of Scottish people in this part of the area. I think you in the West Coast, though, I think you have a bit more Scottish people over there, eh? Aye, we, we've got a, there's a big expat community, loads of Scots, loads of English folk. There's a lot of like expat shops where you can get all the food and stuff. And Nice. It's, it's, it's pretty good. And it's very, like over here, it's very similar to Scotland in a, in a lot of ways. Just everything about it, the nature, just how everything looks. And like, I know you've kind of, we call it the shitty side of Canada. But I mean, in terms of coronavirus, you've been hit quite hard with it. In Ontario and Quebec, it's there's been a load of cases out there. Aye, there has been, but uh, it's like um, all all concentrated in Toronto, just a major city, kind of like UK and London. So where I am, it's we're only at Anchor regions, probably six hundred thousand people. We're at like two cases a day, so we're pretty all right. We're we're kind of advanced, so uh, just fingers crossed we can get through this. And like, do you still keep in touch with a lot of the these five guys from back in the day? I do. Yes. Um, when I was prepping for coming on the number one podcast in the world, uh, I had a I had a wee look through my social media platforms there and realised that probably ninety percent of the people on my social media are involved from being at East Fife, whether it be players, fans, volunteers. So. It was pretty uh, heartwarming to see that, actually. I'd never really stepped back and had a look at my, my social media circle, as you would call it. So, uh, yeah, it's pretty impressive, actually. So, yeah, I still keep in touch with a lot of the boys. Unfortunately, not all of them. It's, it's tough sometimes. Like, you feel a bit remote over here, and 
like when I when I wake up in the mornings, I I get the Daily Record on my phone. I read all the news, and I know it's not the best newspaper, but for sport, it's something that gives you a load of stuff. But you still you still feel remote from it, and you don't really know all the ins and outs of what's going on. And then you find out stuff like Lee's told me a couple of things when we we're doing the podcast that I hadn't heard, and I'm like, oh, geez, and it's. It's it's a bit tough sometimes. You do feel, especially with family back home, and like a time like this just now, like just before all this happened, my mum had to go in a home for dementia just to bring the the tone right down, and like my dad's on his own, and I'm an only child. So it's when something like that happens, you, that's when you kind of realise just how far away you are from everything. I know, I know. I I I don't really understand how people manage to do this sort of thing pre-internet. If you you know. Like, I don't know, like, how they done it. Like, this FaceTime's just a godsend for people that are expats. What we'll do of the day, we'll, we'll have a look through your career at East Fife, things that's happened to you during your time as a footballer in Scotland, your, your time as a footballer as well in Canada, and we'll just kind of basically have a, a deep delve into that. And we'll, we'll kick things off just by looking at, like, when you were growing up and you were a little boy, like, when did you first find that you had a love for football and like who did you grow up supporting? Uh, well, I, I grew up on the, in the west coast of Scotland in the 90s. So you could imagine what that was like. And uh, yeah. I think I was probably five years old just playing and I, I, I kind of realised that I just loved football. And I, I, I kind of realised quickly that I was pretty good too. And then I, from that age, I just, every, every day was football. And I had to... I had to actually lie to my dad to that I, I think I told him that a, a guy up the street was running a team and he wanted to sign me and I'm five year old and he's telling this so I'm like oh and my dad's just like aye all right son and then he realised that he had to get me into the into the football so he got he took me along a uh, uh, team in Hamilton I was in Hamilton South Lanarkshire and uh, don't know if you know my dad that well it took him probably six months from walking in the door to here, here's my son, he wants to play to my dad, taking over the team, <laughs> <laughs> running the team, got my mum on to do the books. That's just the kind of guy my dad is, though. He, he needs to be involved. He, was, he wasn't a footballer growing up himself, but loved football. And he, he was just always involved there. So uh, that definitely helped. My, my love for the game was obviously playing, and then you see the joy that you get from itself, and then you see it, how your parents are proud of you. And it just it it just snowballs, and then you just have that that direct vision that you you just want to be a football player. We know that you initially were going through the the ranks of Dunfermline before you you came to East Fife in two thousand and seven. You, you're kind of a, a rarity. I know you only played six seasons, so when we say you're a one man club, obviously you had a lot more of your career still ahead of you. So we don't know if you would always have stayed at East Fife or not. But you seemed so happy at the club for those six years did you ever want to move on or what was it about the club that made you want to stay that long so yeah going back to the previous question uh, I, I did grow up a Dunfermline fan in the west coast because yeah. my dad was from the, my dad's actually from Kennaway I believe he was brought up in Kennaway and moved to the west coast for a job but so he was always a Dunfermline fan so I was a season ticket holder got the chance fortunately to play there from I was 13 which has coincided with me moving back to Fife to Glen Office. So it all worked out. And uh, I they, uh, made my way through the ranks there. Uh, so I think when I got the chance to come to East Fife, it was kind of, 
it just fitted because I was leaving them filming. I had my f- a first team contract there, but they, they, were s- they didn't really treat me well. I, they only gave me a three-month extension because I was going through an injury. So I never got a chance to prove myself. They let me go. Uh, I went to Brecon City under Mike, Mike O'Neill there. Uh, he offered me the exact same terms as East Fife, except uh, East Fife had a signing bonus. But I had this, I just, when I went to East Fife, I just, I fell in love with it. We had the, just the same mentality I had growing up as a Dunfermline fan. As you, you're always the, the wee guy, you know. And obviously we both hate Rafe Rovers, so that helped. <laughs> and then I, as soon as I went through the doors of East Fife, I, I just, it just fitted. I was 15 minutes down the road as well. I, it was just perfect. So I loved it. When you look back at your, your time at the club then, what, like, how do you feel about your time there? Um, overall, um, amazing, obviously. I think, uh, obviously, leaving prematurely, I could have probably... I, when, before I left, I did get offered another two years. So I would have I took that if I stayed. But I, I had my mind made up that I was choosing a new life. So that's obviously... Kind of, when they say I regret, but you always think, what if? I could have mm. stayed there a bit, but... I, like I say, my mind was made up, but every time I think back about my space time, I don't have any any bad things. Obviously, some things that uh, we could touch on a bit that weren't weren't very uh, nice and, or pleasant, but overall, I, I really enjoyed my time with Space. And I call myself an East Space fan now, not a Dunfermline fan. Hey, <laughs> I'm, a turncoat, I'm a turncoat like Lee. He grew up as a Rangers fan, I heard, on the first Aye. episode. I was stunned was, by that. Yeah. I was stunned by that. I almost uh, deleted the app, you know. I nearly got a different person to do the podcast with. <laughs> Look, people make mistakes in life, lads. It's all about forgiveness, you know. There's people dying out there for a virus, and you're going to hold that against me. Come on. Oh, wow, uh, playing like, a big card right away there. Yeah. It's like Trump card. Trump in. card, yeah. <laughs> So, I mean... I knew, obviously, when you left, how much the club meant to you, and I'm going to touch on that later. But let's let's take you back to your first game at the Fife. Do you remember it? What can you tell us about it? Uh, first first game was Queen's Park uh, away, and it was actually at Hamden. But I think it was what fifty thousand seater, and there was probably like five hundred people there. <laughs> yeah. But I remember traveling through on the bus. This was under Bakey, and the previous season I'd signed. We had probably the best East Fife team there's ever been. I don't know about past, obviously, but I just knew that team was incredible. And when I came in as an 18, 19-year-old, it was so hard for me to break through, unfortunately. Although I did think I deserved a chance, but how can you complain when the boys are just rolling teams over? We're just showing up beating teams 4-5-0, so can't really be knocking on the gaffer's door. But I gave me a chance the following season at Queen's Park and told me on the bus on the way through and I was buzzing. Um, started getting nervous because it was Hamden until you go outside and you're like, oh no, it's fine. It's not, <laughs> it's not fully 50,000 people. But no, it was, a, it was a good game. He played me right back, which was... my whole, I, I'm a centre mid by, by trade, I guess, but I, I can pretty, pretty much play anywhere across the back as well. So it's pretty comfortable at the right back spot there. And I actually, I thought I did pretty well. Got a good reaction from the fans or afterwards, and then got dropped for the next game. But that's life. 
Must have been one of the few games I didn't give you pelters in there. <laughs> oh, well, I'm pretty sure you probably did. <laughs> so if, if we look at your, your goals for us, 17 goals for East Fife across all competitions. Um, I'll be honest with you, I was surprised that you scored as many as that. But, Me too, yeah, actually. It's, it's, it's a good return. What was your memories of your first senior goal? Uh, was it against Wraith? Huh? You tell me. Let's see. It was. I think it was against Wraith. I think it was uh, a great game. Actually, it was at Bayview. That was the that was the game the boy. Uh, <laughs> so I was. It was probably my. This was under. This would be under Craw. Crawford was the manager at the time. I played in the centre mid, and uh, we went one 0 up through Bobby Lynn, obviously, and then. I, uh, Paul McManus hit the byline and he chipped it with his left foot he stood up at the back post and went up for the header uh, got a good connection with it and scored and then for some reason I know Bayview only has one stand I've been there forever I started running the other way away from the fans <laughs> to the old power station and then I was like oh well I'm here now what am I going to do so uh, no, it was, uh, it, was a, it was a great feeling obviously Score against the Rovers is always a good thing, but just unfortunately we couldn't hold on that time. That was one of my regrets as well as my time at East Fife. We could never beat our, our derby, never. Cowden, Rovers always lost. But I see, I see you. Try being a fan. I know, I, I could imagine. <laughs> I felt so bad. <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously now we're, we're doing pretty well, so right. don't take it personally. It's not your fault, mate. Um... Uh... <laughs> so... I'm, I'm going to take you back on some of the, the Divian goals that I remember. And the, the one that's easy to stand out is against Peterhead. Um, you ran right up in front of me. Absolutely loved it. Um, what's your memory of that day um, and that goal all these years later? Uh, after my, after my, my wedding day, is she, I don't know if she's listening. After my wedding day, it was the best, best day of my life by far. No, it's not even close. I know, like, uh, so... That I knew, I don't know if no one else knew, except for my parents, but I knew it was going to be my last game because I'd already uh, I'd signed a contract over here. I'd bought flights. Everything was in place. So I knew it was going to be my last game. And I just wanted to give it my all. And although it was a terrible goal, still a goal, it meant so much to me. And I, I still, to this day, I still gives me shivers when I think about it. It was, it was just a massive moment for me. I, 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 that whole game, the whole time going up, we went up the night before actually, the club were like, they knew how much it meant for us to stay up that year with Rangers coming up. They knew that there was money involved and we were, we were terrible that whole season to be honest. We had no luck. No, we were losing games by like one goal. We just couldn't get that momentum going. So the club put in all their efforts. They were like, we'll, 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 we'll travel up the night before, which was un- uncalled for for East Fife to go up to Pierheed the night before and spend money on hotels and that. But it needed to be done. Um, it's actually a good story with that too, because I know you always keep talking about uh, Steve Archibald. on this. But the night before in the hotel, I'm, I'm on Twitter just scrolling through and I've seen that he, he had tweeted out, um, good luck to East Fife uh, and Tot- Tottenham he played for, I guess. Yeah. Uh, said good luck to Spurs because it was last day I guess they must have been going for Champions League or something <laughs> East Fifers going for relegation playoff <laughs> <laughs> but he, t- he tagged us in it and I remember I, I, I retweeted it and then he actually he messaged me he's like just go out there and enjoy it 
and at the time I was like, I, I knew who he kind of was for like Scottish football, but then I, I, I was like, he played, on his Twitter, it's like he played for Barcelona. I'm like, Jesus, I'm like, better screw the nut here. Eh? He's like, he's got a lot riding on this, but no, it was a, an amazing game. Uh, and for it to finish 1-0 and get the goal, it was, it was priceless, to be honest. You were captain that day as well, weren't you? I was, I. Um, so I, uh, Billy, Billy Brown gave me the captaincy probably, I think it was probably halfway through the season because Hissy was our club captain, but he, was, uh, he wasn't playing it a lot. He was injured in and out of the team, so he wanted someone on the pitch, I guess. They gave it to me, which uh, it was a big honour. It I, I kind of gave me that extra. Those last six months, I started playing really good football. So I, when I got the captaincy, it definitely gave me that extra wee boost that I needed. And I, in the playoffs, I thought, even the semi-finals against Berwick, I was happy with the team's performance, my personal performance. Although I did get called out. We played Berwick down the first leg. I remember coming in at full time. With one, no, we, I think we tied 1-1 with Berwick in the first leg. And I scored the goal. I played all right. Was, and I remember the gaffer just going right through me because I did one Cruyff turn in the middle of the park and gave it away. So I was like, I was so passionate at that time because I, I knew I was leaving. But nobody else knew. So I was just like, Trying so too too hard probably, so we got got in a wee bit of an argument in the changing room, and I, I quit on the spot in the changing room uh, during the first leg. I was like, "That's it, I'm done. I'm never coming back." And I tried to leave the changing room. Big Westy, you know, Big Westy, yeah. He was like blocking the door for me to get out, and I'm like, "Try to get by him." I'm like, "He's got a hundred pounds on me." Yeah, and I just ripped. I started ripping the. I ripped the handle off the door there, and chucked, chucked it. Walked out. I was. Started crying. I'm sitting at the side of the pitch, and then to 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 be fair to Billy, he came to the side of the pitch. He's like, "He's like, you're you're not quitting, are you?" I'm like, "No, no." He's like, "You'll be back Tuesday night for training." I was like, "Aye, aye." <laughs> and then we 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 sorted it. So I I quit his fight for five minutes, I guess. Did he just tell you, "Look, pal, I've I've been places and I've done things, and I, I know how this goes." Do you know what? Do you know what? I didn't. When that happened, none of us knew. Because we were in the changing room, eh? So we were just like, what, what's going on here? I'm like, why Sky Sports picked this up? Why is it on English TV? Why, why are people sharing it in bloody Australia and all that? And then my dad's like, no, you need to watch it. And I watched that. I was like, that's brilliant. That's who Billy was. So he was, he was passionate. You'll, I, I love that stuff. But he cared. He cared. Do you not, not remember he took the mic at half time? So, I, but didn't, he, he did it when we were in the changing room, though. Yeah. So I only seen the afterwards when it was somebody posted it online. Eh? Yeah, he's like, "Get behind the team! Get behind the team!" Now, let's be honest. It, it, Michael and I could say he's five fans, and you as a former player, Bayview's an awful atmosphere of just moaners and wingers and stuff. And I don't think it reflects the true East Fife nature. Um, you know, you see the real East Fife fans when you go to away games. Yeah, but the. You know, he gave it absolutely tight. So let's stick with Billy Brown when we've got you. So can you talk us through the, the running, uh, running in those games under Billy and what the feeling was like amongst the players heading into the playoffs? It was, a, it was bad. Like that whole season, we were, we were, we were, we were struggling. <laughs> we were, though. And I think, I think the whole season, like, cause we had a decent team on paper, eh? There was no way we should have been at that side of the table, but we just had no, no consistency. 
and uh, it started to play on everybody. We had boys at each other's necks, and Billy Billy's a passionate manager, and obviously it spilled over into his uh, his inspirational speech there at halftime. But we we just couldn't get it going. And honest, hand on heart, uh, going into the playoffs, I, I I thought we were done. I was like, we wouldn't even. I think everybody knew. I even the fans. I don't know. I, when we went to Berwick, I was like, we'll be, I think we'll be lucky here. Cause it was just an that season. It was just the East Fife, East Fife thing, you know. Mm-hmm. It's like we were. I think we were only a couple of wins away for safety, but we we screwed it up. And I was like, we'll go down here. We'll get pumped out the league, and then it'll be a somber atmosphere. But thankfully, we scraped through. I'm going to ask a question that we don't have written down here, but I actually watched the Billy Brown interview again for the first time the other day. And how the, when you watch that back, having played for the team, he really goes in on the players. He's like, this is all we've got. This is all we've had all season. And I'm just a bit like, he's saying you guys are shite. Right. No, and I, think, like- I think that's maybe why we faltered, because Billy, that was, his, that was his first job in the lower leagues, I think, wasn't it? Because he'd mm-hmm. always been at the top end, right? Mm-hmm. So he wasn't used to playing with... Because at that time, actually, except for the 2008 Champions team, every other team you'd have... Half the team was decent. And then you'd have people that were picking up minimal money just to fill spaces to keep the budget, right? So I think he didn't realise that there's some players here that are just not good enough. And I think... He wanted to pass the blame. I think if you asked him, he'd say the same thing. Yeah. But either way, we all play. I play for East Fife because of the, the badge on the shirt. I don't play for anybody else. So he, I think he kind of wanted it to be known his CV that he's getting a team relegated and wanted to pass the buck kind of thing. But it worked out. So. And it, it, it got some probably some new East Fife fans, maybe. Yeah. The maybe some remote ones. Yeah. <laughs> so... Just to finish off that section in the, in the, in the goal against Peterhead, I don't think this has been said enough, but I personally feel when I look back at that, you literally grabbed us by the scruff of the neck and grabbed us through those playoffs. And as fans, you need to realise how much that meant to us. Because literally, I think you, you scored against the Brecon in the semi-final, and then you scored against Peterhead in the final. And I'll be honest with you, I was going up to Peterhead that day and I was like, I don't have a good feeling. And it was me and my dad, and I think it was Stuart Kirkcaldy in the car, all the way up there. And I was like, I don't have a good feeling. I was hanging at my backside as well because I'd been out on a Saturday because <laughs> I'm sure it was a Sunday game. And I, I was just like, oh, this is going to be brutal. And then my, my memory of that day is obviously the end of the game, all the Burns are in front of me. You're coming out saying goodbye to the fans. Obviously, we didn't realise it was your big goodbye. You take yeah. off your shirt. My dad's standing next to me. All the Burns in front of me, take your shirt off. My dad thinks you're going to give the shirt to him. You turn around and go, there you go, Gillis, and hand me your shirt. <laughs> <laughs> my dad was absolutely raging and thank you for that by the way because obviously at that time I didn't realise that that was your last game I've still got it and uh, brilliant yeah it was, it was a great memory mate no no it was it was the perfect send off because I'd, I'd loved my time at East Fife and I, I, if it had turned out the other way I would have it would have been I don't know I, I, who knows what would have happened if we'd went doing that year like so it does mean a lot to me that we got Rangers the next year, got the club some money because we know how much it means for the finances in Scottish football, but that was great. So I'm, I'm just happy that it made other people happy. And trust me, no one was more happy than what I was. There's probably 
yeah, that bus ride on the way home was pretty special. <laughs> I'm just fortunate that the Peter, Peter head to Fife is pretty long, put it that way. <laughs> I want to know, Lee, why you're not wearing the shirt, if you've still got it. You think that would fit me? Aye. <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't fit me, put it that way, either. It wouldn't fit me. I tried to put it on on the way home, and it didn't fit me then. That's was <laughs> oh. See, I was thinking it fitted you at the time. I wasn't even, I wasn't thinking about that. Okay. <laughs> let, let, let's just say Div's physique and my physique, I don't think I've been in alignment. Hairlines, <laughs> baby, but never physique. <laughs> there we go. There's the first jab. See, I've got a hat on the day, so it doesn't show. I didn't even want too much, like, glare on the screen. Yeah, let's just, be, let's, let's, let's just be lucky it's uh, a podcast and not a TV show, right? We've got faces, faces for the radio. <laughs> We were initially going to put these up on, on YouTube, but then we thought, nah. Yeah, but, there's not enough filters on there. Nah. So if someone had made a movie of you're leaving to go to another country and then you score in the semi-final and then you score in the final to, to keep the team from getting relegated, thought would have been like, that's a little bit far-fetched. But I mean, that, that's how it played out. I, I didn't know you hadn't told anyone about it. So when did you let the guys know then that that, that was your last game and you were moving? Um, so I told her, I think I moved, so I think the game was May 19th and I moved May 25th and wow. I'd, I'd done all the flights and I think I'd made my mind up probably April actually. And at that time, uh, the chairman was Sid Columbine at the time and there was rumours that that was him done. The club was going through a transition. So they hadn't approached me about a new deal yet. So I was, I was free to do whatever I wanted. Um, they came to me, they actually came to me two days after, so it would have been the 21st of May, they contacted me saying uh, Lee Murray was taking over, they would really like to keep me, and then that's when I told them that I'd had different plans made up, and I think they were pretty, they weren't too upset because it was a whole transition, right, so I think they were seeing it as like, Maybe they, they they could bring in their own people, but they did they did offer me another two years if I'd stayed. I would, I would have for sure took it, obviously. But pastors knew, I guess. It's a big move to make, and I think I've told the story in the show before. But I was originally meant to to move in May two thousand and seven, and we were doing well that season, and we were at the top of the league, and I'd never seen us win a championship. So I delayed my whole emigration by a couple of months. I had tickets for the Under-20 World Cup that was getting played out here, so I gave all that up because it took me past a year from my medical. I had to do a new medical and everything, and then we completely ballsed it up and we didn't win the championship. And then I went a couple of months later, and then that season, of course, we we win the championship. Yeah, no, it's, definitely, it's, it's not an easy task. Um, it, it's definitely not. I don't know your circumstances either, but it, it's definitely took a lot of thought, but... Definitely made the right choice. Uh, my wife's, she's pretty hot. East Fife's nice, but I think she's a wee bit better. Sorry, lads. No, I, I've seen your Facebook photos. I agree. <laughs> Before we say anything else, a huge congratulations, obviously, because we know that you're going to be a dad. Yeah. So congratulations on that, mate. Um, yeah, and I hope the, the DNA test goes your way. Yeah, me too, actually. There's been plenty of jokes about that as well. <laughs> I'll look forward to seeing the TV show. <laughs> Now, is is Maury Povich still a thing? I don't know. Is it a Canadian Maury Povich? Probably. probably. There's a lot of trash TV out here, so very uh, possibly. Uh, oh. Your first season at East Fife, 
although you didn't feature in it, it's like we won the championship. Your last season saved us from getting relegation and it was your goal that kept us up. So, I mean, it's two very different things. It's like promotion, avoiding relegation, but you were there for both of it. Obviously, winning a championship, not many folk do that. At East Fife, we've only won three championships in all our years of playing. What what one is the most special to you? Is it avoiding the relegation because you scored and because you were actually a part of the team? Or is it having that championship medal? It's definitely winning the relegation playoff. Uh, the championship thing, uh, I just came into the team, so I didn't really build. I didn't feel like I was a contributor to it, although I, I still got my medal and I, I cherish it. And that year, I learned a lot from some of the boys. That was some dressing room we had that year, but I def- definitely the, the, my last season, because I I, that, that first year at East Fife was tough. I actually, I almost left for Cowden Beef, believe it or not. Oh, wow. Danny, Danny Lennon came in. Um, I just wasn't featuring, and I was 19. I, I, want, I came to East Fife. Like, I had the chance to play for Brecon, a league up, and I took the chance at East Fife because I was like, I'll play, try and get back full-time like everybody tries to do. And I just wasn't playing, which was fair enough. Like, I get it. Uh, teams was playing amazing. Um, but I thought I, I deserved to be in the, in the centre mid position training. I always knew too because in training you know, you play games at the end of sessions and the two, two two experienced guys pick two teams. I was always first or second pick, but then on a Saturday I wasn't playing. I'm like, something's got to give here. So, chap to Gaffer's door, and then we had a had a a friendly against Tayport up in Tayport, and he was playing the fringe players. So I played played me out of position, and then hooked me after forty minutes. And I, I was playing all right. I was, so I just went. I went. I, I went off on him at the side of the pitch. I said, "Right, I need a transfer." He said, "I'll put you on the transfer list." So then I, I went on a transfer list. Cowden Beef. I went to Cowden Beef. I had a game with them, and then they wanted to take me on loan. And then East Fife were going to accept it. And then uh, I, I went back to East Fife, and I was like, "I just. I didn't. I didn't want to leave it." Eh? Like, I did love it there, even though I wasn't playing. So I said, I'm rejecting the move. Uh, I'm going to stay here because I, I, I knew I'd get a chance. And by that time, sorry, so this wasn't a champ. This was the following season. It was the start of the following season, actually, because we'd just won the championship. And we got off to a bad start. And Becky was under pressure. Mm. And I was like, I'm not leaving. Like, I, I feel something's going to happen. You know? And I was like, <laughs> I'm just going to stay and fight. And then... Things happened. Bakey left, and the new manager come in and seen seen something in me and played me. So it did work out. But I almost joined Cowden Beef, but it never went through. Thankfully, yeah. See that that's that's East Five fans summed up. We've got a manager that's won us our our first championship in sixty years. Then we get off to a bad start, and we're like saying, "Oh, he needs to go." No, he was. He, I, I don't know what he lasted in that season, but he didn't get a good. Uh, he didn't get a good run at it, which was probably unfair because he was a good manager. He just, I don't know. I think when we'd spent that amount of money, and I think people expected us to do better. So, and he he had signed Crawford. With I think Willie Gray had got Crawford in, and I think it coincided with Willie Gray leaving, that Bakey was had to leave too, eh? and then. Crawford was the ideal replacement and uh, what a manager he was too. 
Well, I mean, by my reckoning, I think you had five managers at, at Bayview, and obviously you had some some gaffers uh, at Dunfermline and stuff as well. When you look back at all the managers you've had over your career, who for you stands out as being the best of them, or or who might be the same person, but who's helped your game develop the most? Uh, I, I know I was I was looking at my thinking back of the gaffers there that I had at East Fife and. Apart from Bakey, all, the other four of them were all like some of the best footballers in Scotland. Four, all four of them were international players. Mm-hmm. Like Craw, Craw, uh, Juki, Robbo. Who was it? No, Billy Brown never. Did he play? No. He was, I think he just played a, a, a top league, right? I don't know. He's been there and done things. Yeah, that's, that's right. He had. <laughs> he's never going to live that, do No. <laughs> No, on the show. No, <laughs> no but uh, all, all great managers, and I think Crawford was really good for me. But my, I always say as well, like the n- number, well, except, except for my dad who encouraged me to play football, and like get, I'd be playing in Inverness on a Tuesday night for like Dunfermline reserves, and my dad would be there. Like there'd be two people in the stands, and guarantee it would be my old man. Eh? So definitely him for like. Because I played with so many good football players growing up, but they never made it because they didn't have the support system. Because you need it, right? I know Scotland's a wee country, but to be to expect boys to be travelling a couple hours on a Tuesday night, some some boys aren't fortunate enough, right? So a lot of guys are lost in that sort of thing. So definitely my dad. But there was my coach at uh, uh, under 19s at Dunfermline, Hamish French, who was a legend for the Pars. It was surreal for me too because growing up he was like one of my heroes, and then for him to be my coach, played the same position as me, so he taught me probably all the, all the basics, the fundamentals, but taught me them the right way. Like you get taught how to do it from your coaches and that, but he did, he just had something special about him, and he knew how to talk to me because I was a bit of a loose cannon sometimes. That he he, he understood me. He was a calming influence and definitely. Definitely gave me a lot of great feedback and advice that I took into my career. And from from East East Fife point of stand, I'd say uh, Crawford for sure. I I actually enjoyed uh, Robbo's training too. He was a he he was a, a, a strong character too. You can't when guys like that are telling you stuff, you you just stand and listen. You know? There's no way you're no way you're back chatting to Stevie Crawford or. John Roberts and Gordon Jury. Like, if they tell you something, you have to listen. So, I think every one of them are, gave me something, but Hamish French and Stevie Crawford for sure were two of my favourites. So, I'm going to ask you a, a question. What do you feel went wrong for you at Dunfermline? Uh, so, I'd, I was there since I was under 13, so made, I, I kept going all the way up and then got full time for two years. And at the end of two years, what happens is you either get the first team contract or you get paid it. Uh, they kept, they kept, in my last season, I actually did a serious injury. I did my L4 in my back. So I missed half the season. I was in a back brace, which I still have issues with to this day, but not as extreme as when it first happened. So I missed half of that season, which was my definitive season where I had to push. So they had seen enough in the first six months that they only kept three boys, actually. Uh, to go to the first team I was one of them but they, they only gave me that three month contract which I thought was unfair they should have gave me a year um, 
But that time they had a probably the worst Dunfermline manager of. I'm not just saying that because he let me go, but Stephen Kenny, you probably haven't even heard of him. Yeah, the, the guy oh, that came from Aye. So the, he came and he was just horrendous. Um, so he just gave me a three-month contract. I couldn't play. And then he was like, nah, sorry, you got to go. And that, that, it was a bit sour, actually, because I, I, I wanted to make it there, obviously. It was my first and foremost. I wanted to be full-time. I'd love to have played for Dunfermline, but wasn't to be. Uh, but it all worked out in the end. Good. Um, the, the, the Stephen Kenny guy, did he not recently... Yeah, but I'm sure he's just got the Ireland job over no. Mick McCarthy. Yeah, surely, he has. Surely yeah. not. Current team, Republic of Ireland National Football Manager. Yep. Wow. Talk about being wow. remote. <laughs> yep. Wow. Don't, don't worry, lads. It's all up you'll here. Keep, you'll keep... Really? Keep so you, so well, he's coaching the na- national football team. Aye. So, Thanks for that, Michael. So, yeah. so the guy that you said wasn't much of a manager, he's now coaching <laughs> international. Yep. Yeah. Shows you how much I know. <laughs> That's why he Actually, I, uh, I, think, I think I was the pinnacle. I was the turning point in his career. I think he realised he messed up, and then he had to screw the heat. That's what happened. Right, mate. No, he was We're a disaster. To... He was a disaster for Dunfermline. He took he took yeah. his doom single handedly, like all, like didn't command any risk. Yeah, he just was. But uh, it's good to see that he's doing well for himself. <laughs> right, mate. We're going to read about him be... in the next little bit. <laughs> We're, we're going to be, um, we've obviously been a little bit serious, um, so we're going to take you through our brand new section, which is True or False. Questions and answers, honesty lies. Yes, no you can't, but you can if you know why. So, welcome to this week's True or False. Is it true that at 24, in the peak of your East 5 career, you ran out of your bedroom and your mummy had to come and get a daddy long legs from your room? <laughs> that is definitely true. I hate, so, I hate anything that flies. I <laughs> so over in Canada, I drive uh, the city bus. And I was driving the other, last week, and it was nighttime, and a, a moth flew in. I, I pulled the bus over for 20 minutes. As like, I'm not getting all the passengers were like, no, we need to we need to make connections. We gotta get him. I'm like, nope, there's no chance I'm going back in that bus. <laughs> so you yeah, still got a true. job. I do I do uh it's very liberal over here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, wow. Okay. So that was true. <laughs> yeah. Is is it true that you once defecated into, into a kettle on holiday? That is false. That wasn't me that did it. It was my kettle that received it. That was my good friend Scott Bizet, who you know probably. Yeah, he also played yeah. for our youth team for a bit, yeah. Yeah, great player, by the way. Uh, I, uh, we were in Cavos. I went to make a pot noodle, took the, <laughs> took the kettle to fill it up, and there was a wee jobby in there. <laughs> <laughs> so you're, you're categorically telling me that that's false? That is false. Well, you could tell Scott Tragus. Um, it was him that, that dubbed you in for saying it was you. He said that I did the defecating. Yes. No, that's false. I received it. Okay. Moving on to the next question. You left your suitcase <laughs> containing everybody's passports on the platform and boarded the train on the way to go on holiday. That's true. 
but that wasn't my fault. That was a, that was a Legion's fault. <laughs> that was Joyce. Remember Joyce from the Legion? She, Joyce. Yeah. She uh, got, so all the boys were like, we'll have our first boys holiday. And I was like, all right, I'm the, I'm probably the most sensible here. So I, I organized it all. I know, I know you're expressing it. <laughs> I can't, I can't believe they agreed to it. Collected all the money, got the flights. We go to Kirkcaldy train station to get through to Edinburgh to catch the flight. And I've got, I'm like, right boys, passports, money. <laughs> Put it in my, my suitcase. The train comes. We'll all get on the train and the doors close. And I'm like, oh no. When the train starts leaving, I just see my, my suitcase on the platform. <laughs> Thankfully, Thankfully, my dad was able to go to Kirkcaldy and intercept the train at Inverkeven and drop the, drop the suitcase off. So we diverted the crisis. <laughs> so that is true. <laughs> okay. Why does Paul McManus say E-E every time he hears your name? <laughs> it's because, he, to be fair, he's the, most, he's the baldest man in, I've ever met. Eh? Like He's got the, the shiniest dome I've ever seen. But... We say EE because it's like a cleaning a, a glass, <laughs> cleaning glasses, like <laughs> squeaky, squeaky clean. Brilliant. Yeah. Love that. Um, I got Paul to confirm that to me um, today, and I was like, I don't know if I could really be the one to bring that up, but I'll, I'll just shoot my shot anyway. Yeah, it's just like, it's like when buffing someone's head, sound effects. <laughs> there you go. I'm glad to have some context behind that finally. Yeah. You stated six to seven weeks beforehand that you were going to half Ian Black in the centre circle before playing Rangers, to which you did. I did state that. Apparently, you stated it and then actually carried it out. Oh, yeah. I, that's, that's true. <laughs> that's true. It was easier to do Ian Black, though, because I remember I said the same thing when I played Scott Brown. played Scott Brown at Easter Road for the reserves, and this was when he was just away to move to Celtic. And he was playing for the Rezies for some reason. I was like, I'm going to half him. The first two minutes, first two minutes of the game, he takes a touch facing the stand. And I'm like, oh, here's my chance. Which today you'd probably get a red card for. But at that time, it was 2005-06. You're getting a yellow card. So I'll take my chances. So I fly in. Somehow he scooped the ball over my head. And my, my face just rattled into his knee and I burst my nose. <laughs> <laughs> Needless to say, that was the closest I got to him that game. <laughs> Superb. Yeah. So, obviously, we know that it's true um, now because you mentioned it. But the question I had is: It true that you became a bus driver in Canada, even though we've seen your defensive efforts at centre back, and there's no way you can park one? <laughs> That's true. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the end of the true or false round. You'll be maybe slightly relieved to know. So let's move on to some of the questions from listeners. So um, I, I normally do a little section where I put it out and, and we'll get the fans' word. So this is a question from a Mr. P. McManus um, who wanted to know what happened on the Christmas night out in Aberdeen and what your memories are of it. Oh, man. So the me- memories are very big. <laughs> that, was, that was the year we had all the boys there. That dressing room was insane. Like, I don't know. Like people always say, oh, I, you, we've got it's a great dressing room for the boys, but that dressing room was just nuts. Like every last player in that squad was a part psychopath, I think. And there was boys that hated each other, but like openly hated each other, and would like go through each other in training. I think Paul mentioned on his him and Bibby, him and Kev Fortnum hated each other. 
And I was like, oh, I'll be fine. No, it wasn't fine. <laughs> and we had big Tweedy tape. Tweedy hated everybody. <laughs> um, I think every game, every game there was a scrap between two players, but we were always winning 4-0, so nobody cared there. But I, Aberdeen was, uh, <laughs> was interesting. I had too, maybe too much to drink. Fell asleep in the hotel and then, oh, we had Gaz Greenhill too. That's somebody you don't want to fall asleep around. Just an absolute menace. So the, supposedly the boys all took a shot sitting on my face with their, <laughs> arse, their bare arses out. I didn't get pink eye though, so I was all right. But supposedly that's what happened. And then at the time, I had a girlfriend at the time. Uh, she, she calls me. Because it's still early doors, I'm past it. I'm just trying to keep up with them. I just like, in my bed, and uh, I think it was Gaz Greenhall answered the phone to her, and she's like, "Hello, Dev." And then I, I don't know if he's no Greenhall, but he's he can be very feminine, so he puts on a lassie's a lassie's voice, and he's like, "Oh, hi, it's Dev." Blah blah. blah. Keeps it going for five minutes. Uh, I woke up the next morning, uh, a smelly face, and. No girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> Did that actually end your relationship? Aye. <laughs> swear to God. And <laughs> swear to God. And I remember being like, "No, I trust me. It wasn't. It wasn't me." And she was like, uh, "Sorry, it was. It wasn't our girl. It was one of the boys." She's like, "No, there's no way that was a guy speaking." <laughs> it was a big green hole. Super, Gary Greenhill. We'll need to get him on by the sounds of things. Yeah, and if so, you look at it, like you might have ended up sticking with her, and then you would never have moved to Canada and met exactly. your wife. So he did you a favour. So, I know it's good. There was some, there was some jobbies left on people's hotel doorsteps as well. That that that. Fortunately, not mine. But I remember people were just taking a, a, a number two and trapping the door and running away. And I don't know how we got away with that. That team was that team was mental though. Like even Willie Gray took us to, <laughs> took us to Ireland. I think it was a winter break or something. I was like, what? But who? What second division team goes on a winter break? Eh? But Willie was just splashing their money. So we go to Ireland and uh, big. We're going to one of the pubs there. And you know, remember Big Willie McCulloch, the, the goalkeeper. He did like he did like part time karate or something, or he was a karate instructor, and he's like. He's drinking his wine and he's doing all the chops and that and the pub showing off and then he just goes and like elbows the wall, puts a big hole in the wall. And we're in Ireland in New- a place called Newcastle. And we're like, oh, it's fine, just having a beer. And then one of the women went up to the boys and was like, I think you guys have to leave. And we're like, oh, no, it's fine. It's just a bit of plaster. She's like, no, like the IRA are involved with this bar. Like, I don't know if they had steaks in it or the, 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 the drink there, eh? So needless to say, two minutes later, we were out the door. <laughs> she said that, we're like, we have to go. And then that, that trip, we took the ferry back. And I don't know if you remember that. Remember we made the front page for the food fight? Yes. Food that was fight a question that we had for, for Paul McMahon, eh, for Bobby Lynn, but we'll let you take it. Oh, no, Bobby will be better because he was part in it. I wasn't a part of it. I was just a spectator, but... No, you have to. I think you have to ask. Uh, I think it was Wee Lloydy. You have to ask Wee Lloydy about that. All right. And he he, he seems a quiet type as well. Oh, he is the quiet type, but that I think it was him and Bobby that got in a food fight and just for banter. 
like in the middle of the North Sea. They're like just chucking <laughs> macaroni at each other and that. All in our East Fife tracksuits and everybody's just like, these. I remember the, we got off the boat and the police came across and they're like, oh, like, so who is where? And we had our tracksuits on and Big J's like, we're Air United. Because <laughs> Air United were on the same boat too, yeah? but none of them were drinking. They were just behaving themselves like they should have done. And then I remember the Air United chairman contacted their chairman saying, your boys are blaming our boys for starting a food fight. It was like, incredible that it actually made the papers and that. But that's the sort of that's the sort of changing room that was. It was mental. I think it was the, probably the last season that you would ever get away with that nonsense. Though I don't think you would have got away with it under like Craw or any. No, it would just wouldn't happen. Well, on on the same course, then a Mister B Lynn wanted to ask uh, you to tell us what happened the night of the PFA Awards and what was the attire you were wearing. What happened to the night? Of P- I don't know where he's going with this one. <laughs> I don't think I. Is he, is he getting something lead. there, or is he actually asking what I was wearing? No, I could, uh, I could lead you into it if you like. Because I've, I've no idea what's coming here either. So this is interesting for me as well. I remember that, that I was, I was wearing a tux that night, but I don't yep. know what, I, I don't know what I finished wearing that night. So this, this is uh, the message for Bobby. Ask him about the attire me, him and Smarty had on for the PFA when I was up for an award and also ask him who left the nightclub that night straight into a taxi back to Dundee. Oh, yes. That was, that was the night... Uh, I, uh, uh, we Bobby was up for the award, I think, eh? and he, he won it. Aye, it was. And um, So what the day is, they take you to Hilton and that and they put on a bus and you go back to one of the clubs, Corinthians in Glasgow or something, to get we fancy doing all that. But remember James, uh, Jamie, uh, what was it? James MacArthur. Or MacArthur. Yeah. James McCarthy was the, uh, he was the one that went to Everton. He was playing for Hamilton at the time. He was in the bus eh? and Big Jay gets on the bus just giving him it stinking, just like, oh, you're bash, you're bash, and just <laughs> you're sitting there with like SPL players eh? and you've got these second division scrubs just shouting it over there. And then he, we got chucked off that bus. <laughs> we got chucked out. We have to make our way to uh, Corinthians or Cell. We had a good night. And then we go go uh, back to the hotel. This is a, this is a Bobby special though. Anything we're on a night out, he never he never stays there. Eh? He me and Jay are looking for him. We're like couldn't get a hold of him. But he had paid for a taxi from Glasgow all the way back to Dundee himself, just because he didn't want to stay the night. Eh? And that isn't the first time he's done that. Take. He said it was 130 quid his cab. 130? Oh my God. So that's all right. That's all right. Yeah, exactly. It's <laughs> <laughs> all right when you're high paid like him. <laughs> hey, he must have known you on his bilingual wage by then, eh? No, no. No. Because <laughs> by then he would have got a limo. Oh, jeez. Well, you'll be glad to know that there's no more questions from players, but we do have a question from someone called Dave Muir. I think you might know him from your, your Facebook page. Uh, he's I've, I've known him for a few years hmm he asks just who was the second instigator of the Peterhead stinky finger gate that our recently self-proclaimed well-endowed guest alluded to <laughs> someone was involved with Jay's nostrils that day apart from him and he feels that you might know who that is well I definitely know who it is uh, and uh, the thing with Paul McManus saying about he's well endowed, it's only because he does the sunbeds. It makes it look bigger, trust me. <laughs> he's if, got you small hands. Ma- 
Uh, if you had peely wally skin like me, we'd all know the true the true <laughs> length that he's dealing with there. There's a reason that Paul didn't mention the second person, and the, 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 there was there was two of them, <laughs> Big J and definitely Paul McManus was involved. Hundred percent, he was involved. That, Can you give us your version of events, Steph? Exactly how Paul, Paul told it perfectly. I was in tears listening to it because I totally forgot about it. And when he said about Becky, that is 100% spot on. <laughs> We're like on the verge of like securing the title or like on the way to securing the title and we got beat. So I came in storming in there. I said, I'm not having players sticking fingers up their arse before the game even starts and shoving it in people's noses. And the whole, the whole, the whole changing room just starts rolling about it. Eh? And then Becky just starts laughing too. He's like, oh, you can't even laugh eh? But no, Paul nailed the story, but there's a reason he never named the second person. See, we're getting all these good versions now afterwards. You open a can of worms and everything starts coming out. I know. Now, we've got a question from Michael Gill. He wanted to know, did you ever sober up after the playoff game against Peterhead? Because he remembers going into the shop the day after to say, well done, and he's pretty sure you're still drunk. Yeah, that's more than likely. We... On the way back to Peterhead, uh, I can't remember the name of the place. There's a, a nice wee town just north of Aberdeen. Uh, uh, it, it escapes me. But we stopped there for a carryout and we got a fish supper and the chairman looked after us. But I bought two bottles of uh, Buckfast. <laughs> Obviously, as you do. They were finished by the time we got to Bayview. And then I can't remember if they opened up the bar upstairs for us. Or if that was uh, the Aberdeen night that they did that. Either way, I ended up in sticks in Glenrothes, and then that's when you know you're having a good time. <laughs> but I, the next day I had to go to work, but thankfully I was a key holder at the, at the shop there, so I just parked, my, parked myself behind the, the till and just one eye. But no, I definitely was still drunk at that time. Right, we're going to move back on to your, your football stuff now, but before we do that, I... I... Checked Stephen Kenny on Wikipedia. So, this was his teams before Dunfermline that he managed. St. Patrick's Athletic under-21, Longford Town, Bohemians, Derry City, then he went to the Pars, then Derry City, Shamrock Rovers, Dundalk, and now he's Republic of Ireland head coach. What? Wow. That's mental. That's just, like, insane. Because I remember before he came to Dunfermline, he, he did really well with Derry. I think he took them to Europe. But Aye, yeah, that's he, right. he wasn't, like, I was just a young boy at the time, but I remember the first team players just not being impressed there. They're just like, this guy's... It's just, it's a, Scottish football's one of a kind. You kind of realise that when you move over here, it's like, oh, all right, uh, you, you, you kind of get away with some stuff. <laughs> Aye, it's, it's very different over here. Oh, very yeah, it's, I, I wonder if that's the same elsewhere in the world, but I know there's just there's little things that you can get away with in Scotland that you can't get away with here, aye. even the fans. Oh, Although, I, I watched the MLS too, but just some of the stuff the fans... I remember an East Fife fan, I was, I was probably five years into my career, a pretty decent career up till then, and I remember I had like a bad 45 minutes. This one guy just came in me the whole game, but because it's Bayview, you hear everything. Eh? And he was just saying all sorts of like ridiculous stuff. And I remember going off at halftime, he's like, Dev, just go in there, get your stuff, and don't ever come fucking back. 
And then all I heard was my dad being like, oh, you, sit down. And then my dad going down the stairs to confront him. I'm like, oh, no, here we go. But I feel like you can get, you can get away with that. I think Scottish football players are used to it. And I, I love that stuff. I think that's what makes teams like East Fife brilliant. Is like somebody can tell you something and you have to hear it. Aye. <laughs> Aye. It's, it's hard to, to shout stuff when there's 20 plus thousand folk at a game. Aye. Like, uh, when there's 700 people at Bayview and you can hear everything and it's brilliant even big Davy Marshall love Davy Marshall a bit one of the, one of my, one of the legends eh? but he hated me when I was playing football <laughs> he wasn't my biggest fan every time I would play he'd be like oh Dev oh Dev and I'd be like alright Davy calm down and then get on the team bus after that he'd be like alright Dev how are you doing I'm like thanks Davy <laughs> thanks for caning me there for 90 minutes but alright cheers <laughs> you don't remember my set two with Cal Mantel and Elgin? Oh, aye, what was that again? That rings the bell. Because basically we were up there for the cup and we're behind the goals. And honestly, that guy was a fucking sieve. Everything went past him. Like, and there was a shot that went there was right at him. And I was next to Isla and I was like, he is effing. And he's like, oh, they started giving me abuse. And I was like, shut your thumb it back. And then I was absolutely blitzed because we got the train up to Elgin at like daft o'clock in the morning. And then I was coming right. back and going back to the train. I was like, oh, and then he started tweeting about me. He's like, to that dick behind the goal as well, giving it, giving me pelters. Then I text you and you were like, I was like, ah, look, I was like, I was a wee bit older there. Tell him that I'm, I'm not a bad guy and I'm sorry for shouting him out. You're like, nah, fuck him. <laughs> that's funny, <that's> man. <laughs> like, if, if you're pissed, you're pissed. Trust me, the best thing, like, Best thing about being a football fan is you have you get an opinion, and you're entitled to your opinion. I think that's what makes football the greatest sport in the in the world is because you can be truthful. Like if you've got sixty thousand people singing, you're effing shite. You're probably shite. You know what I mean? <laughs> like I, 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 I'll watch NHL here, and I, I, I I'm a, I like North American sports now. Hey, I'll watch it, but. There's no chance in hell that Leafs fans would ever call one of their players out in unison oh. and chirp them, right? They're too, they're too soft. The players wouldn't like it, but if you want to call something, I ain't get entitled to it. You, you, like you say, you got the train up to Elgin. God knows how much you paid to get at this stand. If you want to call somebody, bash on, especially if they're pissed. Well, we got absolutely hammered. I think we were 4-0 down at halftime. I know. I remember that game, actually. I remember. It was brutal. It, it's, actually, it's... I scored that game, mate. It was 4-1 <laughs> <laughs> 5-1 I'll be honest with you Dev I didn't see your goal Because I left In absolute disgust It's one of the right. only games In you know 25 years Of watching these five That I left yeah. early I remember that game Because uh, Bob Malcolm Was uh, Helping out that day Yeah Because uh, he had some Home truths for some boys That day That was, that was, was, a, that was a dark day I, I remember that Because we, we were Division 2 at that time Yeah and they were um, three, right? Yeah, and they absolutely caned us. Yeah. Sorry, I've gone off on a tangent here, but it was just yeah, a memory fine. that I, I remember. <laughs> remember no, that was that day. was that was a low point that game. That was yeah, definitely. Point. But let's let's go back to soccer now because we're going to move yeah, over soccer. to Canada. So, well, yeah, but before Canada, that, yeah. I was just going to say, like, I've still got access to the the old AFTN forum, so I've been going through it for a, a thing we're putting up on the site, like Forum Gold. But when I've been going through some of the threads. I'd forgotten how much abuse we gave our own players on that forum, and it's like, oh, jeez. You, you know, you know, a good thing about that forum, though. Like, I was the type of player. I, uh, like, 
I wouldn't read it or that, but my dad would read it to me, right? And he'd tell me or stuff like that. Or the East East Fife Mail used to do the the three two one thing, and Aye. and you kind of like that's how you gauge yourself. Like for me, I, if I, if I I know when I played well and I know when I played bad, but there's there's times when you're like, you know what, am I doing enough? And if you look at the paper and see that you you got the first star that week, it's it's good to know if you need to day mayor or so that forum, even though people were nasty sometimes and that that's i don't think you, sh- you can't be a football player and be offended it just you can't let it happen to you like if somebody's if somebody's on the internet calling you names and stuff there's a reason they're doing it it's no because the next week you go out and score a goal they're gonna they're gonna love you so you got to take it when you're not playing so good so for me personally i, I enjoyed the forums and the the paper stuff like that because you, you engage because you can go through the motions. There's t- tons of times I'd go into a game and be like going through the motions, like I'm doing enough, I'm doing enough. But then you'd see people like, oh, Dev, I oh, needs to do a wee bit more in the middle of the park, and then you're like, right, I will. You know what I mean? But there is some players that maybe wouldn't take it that way. But yeah, I, I think it's part and parcel of being a, a football player at the end of the day. Cause I do remember we were in the papers once because the players had complained saying that we needed to give them a break. I think, was I part of that squad? I that don't mine? know. It might have been after. I, I, I know I was over here at the time and I woke up and I was like, oh, Jesus, what now? Um, I'm like That was a headache I was glad to get rid of because I'd wake up every morning and see things I'd have to delete. But there was a big thing. It was in the paper. The players had complained that they were getting too much abuse. It was in yes, the programme. I, I, I was part of that. And then... I, I wasn't part of it, but I remember, I think it was under Hissy's captaincy. Oh, it was, oh I because when Hissy was there, Hissy got... Loads of abuse. He got abuse, yeah, which was unfair. But aye, Hissy's not the kind of player to sit back and take it. No, that's kind of his. uh, Let's move on. Yeah, if you ask me, it's all aye. But like you talked about fans over here. When I first came over here in two thousand seven, I went to watch the Whitecaps as a fan when they were before MLS. So. Back in that couple of first couple of seasons, it was superb here because it was like being back in Scotland. We had a guy that used to like whatever visiting team would come, he would go on the internet, find out his phone number, his sister's name, sister's phone number, and we, they would just shout all this stuff. He'd go to take a goal kick, and they'd start to shout out his phone number and stuff. And then when Montreal came, there was a goalkeeper called Matt Jordan. And we all got pictures of her because she was a volleyball player or something, like all in a sexy pose. So we had all these flyers of pictures of her that we would hold up every time he came anywhere near us. And he complained about us. So it was just like being back at Bayview for a couple of seasons. But then you went to MLS and it was all like that. I know. I don't know. I've, I've never, I'd never understood how players could complain. Like, I just, it's no, it's not in my vocabulary. I, I despise it. Like, uh, it's I, it's an honour to be slagged off. Aye, because it, it, it does it mean you're doing something right? Aye, that's Liam Anderson was just having that discussion on Twitter this morning about John Gemmell because it's like you only uh, shout abuse at the players. John Gemmell, are, oh boy, <laughs> Jesus. But yeah, you you abuse the players that are guys that are a threat to your team. Yeah. So I mean that I, I think that's why Scott Brown gets so much abuse. Because for all the little things he does, he's a good player, and he winds folk up, and folk know what, that he's good. So he's one of those guys, and he, and, and he loves it. Aye, 
And I, I love that the Rangers fans keep feeding it because it makes him a better player. Like, that's why he does it, because he loves it. Like, if he's not getting booed, I, I think he's like, oh, I'm a play- I'm, I'm, maybe I'm not playing too good. Oh, they're booing me. I'm doing well. You know what I mean? You, so, I, I, although I like getting other players stick, you've got to be careful sometimes. You don't want to get them too, too jacked up. Oh, aye. Like, since about 2011, I've moved into like proper media over here, so I'm not in amongst the fans and stuff, but it, it means I get a chance to, to speak to lots of guys I normally wouldn't have. Like Scott Arfield, because he plays for Canada, comes over here, so I get to chat to him. And the next time he comes over, I so want to ask him about the battles him and Bruni have, because it's just fantastic to watch. Yeah, he's a good player. I, I, he's the same uh, year as me, so we grew up through the ranks together. He was at Falkirk. All right. But you always knew he was going to be a big star, though. I'm, I'm happy that he done. He seems like a good kid, too. Ah, you're more Canadian than him, though. I know. <laughs> right. Like, I, know, get... I didn't. I didn't know he was Canadian, to be honest, until uh, that Scotland Canada game. <laughs> and I was like, what? But like, let's talk about your your move to Canada. Like, how how easy did you find it to settle over here? And like, what do you miss most about back home? Uh, it, it wasn't easy to be honest. I'll be honest. It's 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 uh, it's been hard. Uh, I definitely don't regret it though. But I wouldn't say it's been easy. I'm, I I have no no family here at all. So that's the hardest thing is not being able to keep tabs with everybody. Uh, the social the social aspect. I don't know what I know. The West a lot different from in Ontario. So I don't know if it's a whole Canada thing, but. People are a bit more conservative here. Like they don't the social the social element's not there here. So I do miss that part. I miss like just going around to the pals house having a beer. Like here you kinda go for a beer, but it's like a beer. You know what I mean? Like there's a time limit, right? Yeah. You gotta go. <laughs> there's no there's no all day sessions. Like when my dad no, came no. over to visit, he was like, Okay, where's the nearest pub? And it's like, Oh, it's miles away. And he's mm-hmm. like, What? I know, but yeah, I say the only the only thing that's different is the, is the, the social element, like the bravado, so to speak. Is but if, there's definitely a lot of pros as well, though. Like if I look outside right now, it's like thirty degrees and sunny. Like, can I go wrong with that? Aye, but you get really shitty winters out there as well. Oh, we do, aye. But you know what? I'd rather <laughs> I'd rather be in Ontario minus forty than. Glen Rothfuss minus five with rain. It's it's way worse. Trust me. As long as you wear it, as long as you've got your big jacket on and it's minus forty, you're fine. Doing Glen Rothfuss minus five and rain. Oh, I see. We're we're spoiled out here because if it gets to like minus at all, we're like, oh, that's really cold. Like we we've got much milder temperatures. It's, it's more kind of Scottish weather. So, are you are you going to settle there? Do you, do you think you'll ever come back or? Uh, we'll probably be here. Uh, my wife's got a great career. Uh, her, she's really close to her family, and we've got a good life here. So I don't, I wouldn't see us ever moving back. Maybe, maybe retire, maybe back home. Who knows? But there's, it's, it's a good way of life here. Aye. Don't get me wrong. I, I still miss faith, but I don't know. I, I, I do enjoy, I do enjoy living here. So. I'm going to say no on that one. Uh, I, I mean, I've been thinking about that as well, retiral. Initially, I thought I'd retire back in Scotland, but every time I go back now, it kind of feels less and less like home. 
it's obviously always going to be my home, but it it's weird because you just get used to to a different way of life, and like like over over here as well, you've been playing football. So I mean, let's get to to that side of it. Your first year here, you won a, a championship with Waterloo Canadian Soccer League, and we'll get to the Canadian Soccer League very soon. But I mean, what was that like coming to a new country? You've joined a club and you win a championship right away. Uh, so actually, the the first the first club I signed with was in Toronto. It was Toronto Lynx. They were in the PDL, uh, yeah. which was like a, a feeder league to like the USL. But I signed on the terms that they were they were trying to get their membership into the USL, which would be a kind of it's, it's like the second tier below MLS or whatever. But they have feeder teams for MLS. Too. So I was like, sounds good and all that, but it never came to fruition that they got their uh, their membership license. So, but that was good fun though. We traveled uh, majority of the uh, northern states near Canada, so I was able to see a bit of America through that summer there. But then the CSL, which is only Ontario teams, correct? I believe yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and then yeah, I got the chance to play for SE, who profession professional. I use that term lightly. There was definitely there was money being exchanged, but not through. Uh, not through banking establishments. <laughs> a, a bit like Kelty and Balingery, I'd say. The CSL was, it was good standard of football. Uh, I'd say it was more like uh, junior football back home, though. There was, some, there was some incredible players, though. There were some players I played with there that I was like, oh, yeah, they could do the business in back home. But it was more like uh, Eastern Europeans that were coming over trying to get like an uh, entry into the country as well through playing football, which good on them, get a better life here. But it was a, it was a, it was a strange league. I, I, I stayed there for three seasons, I think. And then after that, uh, they had some uh, issues with the legal uh, proceedings. Yeah, let's, let's get to that. So for anyone that doesn't know, which is going to be the vast majority of folk listening to this, the, the Canadian Soccer League, it's nothing to do with like the Canadian Premier League that's on the go now. The Canadian Soccer League was investigated for match fixing and they were unsanctioned by FIFA. Um, they were operating then as a kind of rogue private league. Now, mo- the allegations took place before you were playing it in the league. But, I mean, what was that like? Because you were in the league when all these allegations started to come out. I mean, it seemed yeah. dodgy as hell. Uh, so it would have been 20, 2013, 2014. And I remember I was leaving the Toronto Lynx and the gaffer there was like, don't, don't go there. And I was like, I think he's just saying that to try and keep me. He's like, no, trust me, it's, uh, it's corrupt. And I'm like, well, they're offering me money. I'm like, I'll, I'll go try it out. And I, I was playing for SC Waterloo, which is where my wife lives. So I didn't have to, I didn't have to commute to Toronto, which was nice. So yeah, it all made sense. But we ended up winning the league that, that year. Um, and then I'd heard about these match-fixing claims, but I thought, oh, it's just just whatever. And then, obviously, when the courts got involved and they started like asking players for details and stuff, I started being like, oh, okay. Thankfully, I was off the books then. I'd, uh, I'd stepped away from them, so I wasn't in, ever brought into it. But it was uh, really interesting because after you hear it, I started like thinking through of my time there and I was like, so strange. That kind of makes sense now. Like I, I remember on like every Friday night before a, before a game on a Saturday, 
I'd get Facebook messages to people I don't know, and it would be Eastern European men, like with the Serbian last names. Eh? And I'm like, I don't know this guy. And I'd read it and I'd say, hey, David, I hope you're going to have a good night's sleep and uh, eat well. And how do you think the game's going to go tomorrow? And I'm like, I just ignored the message. I thought, oh, maybe it's just uh, some guy that really likes CSL football. <laughs> but then it consistently kept happening. And then I, I realized they were trying to infiltrate me. to. So supposedly they were getting players saying, we'll send you blah, blah, blah money. Don't, don't let the other teams win. Or there was people getting paid to take red cards, yellow cards. Because I know from my bet, three six five account, I can bet on any, I can bet on Afghanistan ladies football. You know, there's anything you can bet on. So that's what was happening. They were paying players, and then I re- realized. I remember we had a game to beat London City to like go towards the championship season, and we got beat two 0 which was incredible because we were winning all the time. And I remember I was on the bench that game, and I was like, "Why? Why am I on the bench, Scaffer?" He was like, "Oh, we're just going with someone else." And I realized it's because I wasn't Serbian and I hadn't agreed to throw the game. So they threw that game and I was like, wow. So that was definitely an experience, should we say. We couldn't believe that you could bet on that because like, I, I do some commentating for one of the PDL teams out here. It's on YouTube. I mean, you look at the YouTube chat, it's all these four names like posting things about when do you think the school's going to go in and stuff. And it's like, but the fact that you can bet on those games where there's like 17, 18 year olds playing. If some guy gets in touch with you and goes, hey, I'll give you 10 grand if you score a known goal at this time. A lot of guys are going to go, aye, I'll take that. Yeah, especially when it was, you're, you're in the CSL, you're targeting immigrants that are here, not getting paid very good money. So they're like 10 grand to take a red card in the 60, 70th minute. I'll do that. It's crazy. They got it's their just- membership revoked. Are you playing much these days at all? So I actually, uh, two years ago, uh, I broke my leg playing football. I've uh, been struggling to recover from that. Um, so I, I just play uh, local just for fun now. Kind of my next, my next uh, focus is going to be on the coaching side of stuff because there's okay. such a big gap in the market here. Eh? Like, it's incredible because it's the number one growing sport here. So I... Uh, I get it's travesty if I don't get involved at some some aspect of it, but I just need to put the time and effort in it. Maybe this would be the ideal time, but I, just with family situation right now, I'd rather focus on it in a couple of years' time. I mean, when you first came over, there wasn't a lot of pro opportunities as a player. We've got the Canadian Premier League now. Do you think if that had come a couple of years earlier, you might have gone into that? Yeah, a hundred percent, I would have. The team that I was going to, uh, when I moved, it was going to be based out of Hamilton. They were going to be going into the Hamilton one, where Hamilton, what are they called, Hamilton Fury? Forge, Hamilton. Forge FC. Forge, Forge, sorry, yeah, Forge. Um, yeah, that was a team that I would have been involved in. But when the Premier League showed up, uh, that was when I, bro- I broke my leg, so I couldn't even go. There was trials happening. I was going to give it a bash, but do, do you know what? You kind of, after being playing in Scotland, doing it there, I was... It's, it wasn't, I wasn't, I'm not driven to do it anymore, you know. I'm more happy to focus on the coaching side of stuff in the coming years. That, that's where, that gets me excited, that stuff. Playing not so much anymore. 
and ha- again having an accent helps because it, it does open doors that's how i've got into doing commentary because folk are like yeah. oh he he he's got a voice that we hear on the tv he must know what he's talking about it's funny i uh it was two years ago a guy approached me to, uh, after one of the games here and he was like you live in kitchener i'm like yes he's like you know kitchener soccer club and i'm like yeah it's like the local it's like uh, the regions where all the kids go to kind of like the Glenrothes strollers on a larger scale. And he was like, I'll give you the all-star team and, uh, and you just coach them. I'm like, but you don't even know who I am. He's like, no, I know you, David Muir, you played back home. It's like, it's fine. I was like, I don't even do my credentials yet. He's like, I'll fast, we'll get you them. It's fine. You can have the all-star team, and which involves you taking teams to America, playing teams down in the States and that. I'm like, that's an incredible opportunity, mate, but it's no, no the right time. So, I think it's just because I had an accent and I played back home that they were trying to get, give, give me a job, which is incredible, but pretty unfair on Canadian coaches, I guess. <laughs> I mean, I, you said you're a big North American sports fan. You're wearing your Blue Jays top and we know that you're a big Maple Leafs fan. Do you get to MLS much? Obviously, it's going to be the horrible Toronto FC, but do you get to get to many MLS games? I've only been to a handful, to be honest. I'm not going to sit here and lie. I'm not a big fan of the MLS. I'll watch it. I like TFC. I just don't have, I've not been here long enough to get an affiliation with, like when I watch the Blue Jays and the Leafs, it's easy because I don't know how to play baseball or hockey. So anything in the day, I'm like, oh, nice lads, nice. When I first moved here, TFC weren't that good. Yeah. They were just starting to get, they were just starting to get good. And I was like, oh, I kind of watched, like they're not, they weren't at the level they are now. Now watching them, I can appreciate them a bit more because they've got some great players now. And they won, what, they won the championship two years ago, which was... Sadly, yeah. Great for yeah. Yeah, I know. Um, that season, though, they did play some good football. Uh, I, I got doing it a few games, but I think maybe having a kid over here, it'll help. Like, I'm gonna, I, I'd like to take them. Like, that'd be cool to take them to a game and, and sort of enjoy their, their love of the game for that, which would be nice. So I take it that means you don't listen to my MLS podcasting? Uh, yeah, of course I do, mate. Obviously. Love all your stuff. <laughs> Good save. Thanks. So before we go into your best 11s, which I, I gave you in advance because I wanted you to be prepared, who <laughs> would you say is the best player that you played with at East Fife? And here's your chance to get even more dogs abuse on Facebook. The best player that I've ever played with at East Fife? Yeah. Oh, that's a hard one, big man. The best, it's got to be Wee Linny. It's got to be. I know it's, uh, I know I've, I've listened to all, all your episodes and he just keeps coming up, but I think anybody that's played with that boy will have him in your team. It's, yeah, it's, it's pretty incredible that he hasn't played at a higher level, um, but he's, he's just unbelievable in training. His attitude spot on, and he's a good guy having the dressing room too. He's always up for a laugh, always never in a bad mood, never yells at anybody. Uh, I remember, it's just a great attitude. I hope that he's he'll be in the game for a long time because people can learn from him. I remember one season he had uh, he stepped, it might have been his third season at East Fife. He did some personal training with a guy doing boxing or something in Dundee, and I remember he came back to preseason and he was insane, like. He was lapping people, and his his whole game that year was just frightening. He could do, he, he could do anything that boy. So I'd, I'd go with Lenny, man. He's he's brilliant. 
I was I was interested in uh, you saying that Stephen Tweed hated everyone, and uh, and people will be like, oh, Lee, why don't you just like do whatever you want to Stephen Tweed? But I just thought he was head and shoulders above most of the players when he came to us, like an absolute tank. What what was your experiences of playing with him like? So some of the boys will tell me and Tweedy didn't see eye to eye. Um, he he didn't hate everybody. He was he's 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 a unique a unique figure. I don't know if you've ever had the chance to meet him, but he's um he's not your typical Scottish football player. He's very eloquent. He's very educated. Not that we're not all educated, but he's you know I mean he's just he's just a, a, a he is a step above everybody else. But he lets you know that right. Like if you're doing something wrong, it's like oh, I would never do that. <laughs> we never seen eye to eye, obviously, but. He was a he was a great player to have that year. Like I, I remember Paul telling you some of the stories that that they're all they're all true. Like play, I don't know if he told you the story about the armband with the German writing on it. When no. we played we played Queens Park. Played Queens Park. Wasn't it wasn't my debut though. It was another uh, another game, and there was a corner, and their their uh, their captain was wearing uh, an armband, but, but with a German national flag on it, with writing on it. And Tweedy obviously knows like 65 different languages. He's like, hey, uh, do you know what that actually says in German? And the big guy's like, no, mate, I don't. He's like, it means leader of men. And then just walks away. <laughs> and the big man's just like, and I'm like, ah, that's Tweedy, mate. That's Tweedy. <laughs> just, uh, he, was, he was a great guy, but you, uh, you, couldn't, you couldn't put a foot wrong with him. But that's kind of the way you want it, right? Yeah, I mean, I think he applied, obviously, for the, the manager's job with us a couple of times as oh, well. Um, that's true. That's true. He applied when I was a player. I remember shiting myself. I remember thinking, <laughs> if he gets this job, I'm out the team. <laughs> <laughs> right, speaking of teams, mate, I want to hear your best 11 played with. Best 11 to play with. Uh, don't, obviously, very uh, 2008 orientated, but... Uh, in goals I, w- I went for Big Ridges yep. just a great shot stopper and I'll always love him from that, for that night up in Aberdeen right back the guy that kind of taught me how to be an, an East Fife uh, legend was Greg McDonald kind of uh, kind of he's the guy that you emulate you know the way he carries himself just a great guy uh, got him center. coming up in the show in a few weeks oh have you yeah yeah Oh, tell him I said hi. Great guy. Um, centre half, I went for Big Smarty. Uh, it was always, a, always a joy to play with him. Another legend in the dressing room, but it was just good. As a, as a centre midfielder, who my, my main attributes were heading and tackling, to have him behind you is just, I don't think we would ever lose a heater. Uh, other centre half, I went for uh, Big Soul Bamba, who I played with at Dunfermline, who went on to have a I mean, done very well for myself. Um, at left back, I went for Doogie Cameron, sweet left peg, another great guy in the change room. Uh, I went for a four-three-three. I hope that's okay. That's fine. You pick the formation, yeah. pal. Yeah. So the three, three in the middle. I went for Lenny, obviously, for obvious reasons. Doesn't need any more smoke. Um, and then Weed Dad Smith, I think, is one of the most underrated players we've ever had at East Fife. I don't know. Matthew too. Oh, did he? Yep. How uh how how many years did he play for us? Three? Aye, he, he was one of these players that was quite injury prone, but do, do you wanna what? Mm-hmm. Anytime he got the ball, you just I always kinda of felt like something was gonna happen. Oh I um, know. Joy he, to play he was a great player. 
Yeah, yeah. I, he, he's, he's one of my favourite uh, midfield partners. But I even watched, uh, they did a rerun of the Aberdeen game a couple of weeks ago. And I was like, I'd never, I'd never watched myself play 90 minutes and I was watching it. I was like, Daz Smith is just head and shoulders above everybody else. Uh, other centre mid, I went for a guy that I played with at Dunfermline and East Fife. I went for Lee Mako. Didn't really get off, do a lot for us at East Fife, but great player. Uh, and then my f- front three is uh, Stevie Crawford. Just incredible finisher. When he, when he was gaffer, uh, he'd finished every training session, he finished with a shooting drill, which was basic. Pass it to the guy, lay it off, have a shot. Miss, go get changed. Score, stay in. He, he won it every time. Like, no word of a lie. Every single night of training, he'd, he'd win the shooting contest. And he was a gaffer. He wasn't even playing. Uh, other, other guy I went for up front is Paul McManus, obviously. <laughs> Just He's another great lad, though. Like, he's probably another guy that you want, you want to represent East Fife. You know what I mean? If he was to speak about East Fife, he would... And this is the sort of people you want is Paul McManus. He's telling people about East Fife because it's only going to encourage other players, right? Because they're going to listen to guys like him who've been there and done it, right? So he's, he's a legend. And then up front, I went with Simon Donnelly, who I had the privilege to play with at Dunfermline for a year. Just incredible player. Incredible player. So that would be my 4 3 3 so a pretty good team, actually, when you think about it. I now understand why you haven't put Tweedy in it. That makes sense. Yeah. Well, who, 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 you know what? I, honestly, I loved, I loved Tweedy, but I'd even I'd, I'd put Stevie Campbell up there too, actually. I, again, he, um, he's a player that a lot of people have mentioned in their 11s. Uh, um, he was a great player. Yeah. Like obviously, like we grew up in Glen Office, so I mean, you, all, you always knew who Stevie was because yeah. he was at Rangers. Yeah. Um, and... I remember when we got him, I always, I always felt like he was somebody that could have gone higher, easily. I, yeah, I was part, part of getting him East Fife. Eh? I, I met him and I didn't know Stevie. I knew him, obviously, because his name. And I played against him when he was at Rangers and stuff. But I bumped into him in River Island in Kirkcaldy one day, upstairs. And he, he like, we didn't really know each other. We know of each other. And he was at a club. He just left Partick Fisco or something. I can't remember, but he's like, eh, all right, Dev. I'm like, all right, Steve, how's it going? He's like, how's East Fife? And I'm like, brilliant, mate. Blah, blah, blah. He's like, right, I'm going to come, up. I'm going to come up, uh, along. And then when he came along, it was needless to say that East Fife snapped him up in a heartbeat. But yeah. he was so technically gifted. And I heard he went to, when I left, he went centre mid. Yeah. He, was, uh, he scored an, like a, a total peach for about 40 yards. And I still don't quite know how that went. And he, he never scored a tap in. Ever. No, no. Uh, it, was, it was either a screamer or nothing else. Uh, um, but is there anybody else that was close to making your team that didn't just quite make the cut? I, well, I put, I put for, for my goalkeeper, I was going to put uh, Alan McGregor because I played with him at Dunfermline, but I think it's unfair to just put him in because he had a great career after. I kind of tried mm. to go with people that I played with. So obviously, Griegsy for sure. And then uh, Lloyd Young would have made it, but Makles. Lloyd Young was kind of. When I played, he was a guy that drove. We we were kind of battling, good friends, but we were like same kind of player and position. So we pushed each other a lot. So and then Ryan Wallace, I was going to put up front too, but he's he knows he's good. He doesn't need me to tell him that. And I'm good. I'm glad he's back, by the way. Yeah, 
Yeah, Ryan Wallace is, 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 is obviously a fantastic player and I'm delighted that he's back and he played right. really well for us um, last season. The, the Lloyd Young one surprises me because, see, as a fan, it, don't get me wrong, like I met him a couple of times as a fan and he just seemed like a really, really lovely, down-to-earth guy. But I never ever... I'm going to blow smoke up your ass here, but I would always have put you in the front of him in that team. I, uh, I can't... The main reason I thought about when I was just thinking, I was scrambling through my head. I was like, I was thinking about players who, if the gaffer reads at the team sheet and he puts Divio in the middle and says another name, who was I like? Nice. Like when he said yeah. Divio and Daz Smith, I'm like, we've got this today. Like we're having yeah. a good game. And if he said Lloydy, honestly, we, 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 we only played together for maybe eight months, centre mid together, but. We I we worked well together, so that's kind of why I put him in there. Was yeah. I always I, he gave me a pep in my step. He wanted me. To, yeah. He got me to do more because he was a he was a tryhard. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, I I wrote down a name here that I'm, I'm surprised you admitted. Colin Samuel. Oh, hi, big Sammy. Uh, who did I put him in for though? That see, that's a difficult one. But no. I mean, I, he, I, I I think Sammy didn't do enough for us though. Yeah, I did. I, he had some great games, but he could have done more for us. I I thought he was a good player, but couldn't he be asked being at us? It was like we nah, were beneath him. But a great guy, by the way. Yeah, I don't know if he comes across that way when he's playing, but brilliant guy. Right, on to the next one. Best eleven played against, and your dad said that he hopes that you've included a lot of the players that you played in the reserve league against because you should have a good team. I kind of did, but again, I didn't want to do it. Like, oh, I played against him and then he went on to do good things, you know? Yeah. Well, I kind of did with some players, but whatever. <laughs> they go, they, you know who I struggled with? Goalkeeper. Right. Who's, who's, who's the best goalkeeper you've ever seen? Just, it's so hard, goalkeeper, because you, you take keepers for granted, right? Yeah. Um, See, I, I think that about defensive midfielders. I, I don't feel like defensive midfielders really get the credit. No. You only notice them, yeah. really, if they make a mistake. I'll give yeah. the ball away. Yeah, I know. I feel sorry for the keepers. But, well, no, I don't. But no, um, it's, it's I, I so think hard. Scotty Fox, he came to us and did a good job. Mark Ridgers, William McCulloch, there's three off the top of my head. Jim Butter no, when he was at us. No, but um, this is against, against these five. Against us. Um, uh, that's where I struggled. I just, I, I went with Neil Alexander at Rangers. Just, yeah. But I, I wasn't really happy with that choice, to be honest. I think there's better keepers that I probably played against, but not giving them the, the due respect that they deserve. Was that, was that the game at East End? Uh, no, that would be the game uh, Ibrox. Played, uh, the, cup, uh, the cup game. Uh, was their, their first game as the resurgent Rangers. The Rangers, 2000, whatever. Yeah, I can't say that because Mark Gale knocked me out because I know that he listens to this. <laughs> <laughs> I can't say that. I, I promised him I would tone down the Rangers slagging a little bit. So, um, But no, Neil Alexander, that's a good choice. Aye, so aye, what about you guys? What do you think? Best goalkeeper you've ever seen against these five? I think it's such a tricky... See, Michael's really old, so, he, aye, so there's maybe mean, a lot I, of people I, that he, he I go way he back. It would probably be... I'm trying to think like who the Rangers keeper was back in the 85, 86 time. It was that English guy they just brought up when Sunis had taken in. Chris Woods. Oh, yeah, he's a good keeper. So yeah. I would possibly have gone with him. Yeah. But modern day, so hard. I mean, there might be some friendlies as well. Maybe some teams that came up. Or I know that's what I was trying to break through. But I was it was a difficult position, so I went with Neil Alexander anyway. 
and then I went for a basic four four two on this one. <laughs> uh, back four, I went with wee Paul Caddis, same guy. Uh, played with him, for, played against him from probably I was thirteen till nineteen when he was at Celtic. My two centre and a half, so I had to go with Big Marvin Andrews and Bob Malcolm. Big Marv for obvious reasons, just you you're never winning a header against him. Ever. I tried so hard. And I remember if I got a wee bit close, I was so proud of myself. But never win a header. Big Bob Malcolm, who thankfully I got a chance to work with, because I remember when he was at Rangers, he was he was incredible. Just unfortunate that his injuries held him back a bit. Uh, but it was great to actually work with him. Uh, left back, I went with Lee Wallace. Played with, played against him when he was at Harps and at night at Ibrox. He bullied me at Ibrox that night. Um, four across the middle, uh, Aidan McGeady. Uh, he was from my part of the West Coast, uh, so I played, I played against him a bunch of times through the reserves. Uh, mid, midfield two, I went with Scott Brun, obviously. Probably, yeah, I'd say he's the best player I've ever played against because no matter how hard you try and read the game or try and get close, it was impossible. I remember just like standing there like this is going to be torture. And the same goes with Paul Hartley, put him centre mid. That night up at Aberdeen when they, they, they rolled us over, he was incredible that night. Uh, left wing, it was a throw up between Russell Latape or Sonny Aluko. So I, I went with Aluko because... It's so fast, so so fast. And remember being part time and playing against Aberdeen. This boy's just like I think it was we Scott Judy that was playing against him. I was like, oh no, sorry, we man, no one's helping you. Centre <laughs> <laughs> mid's meant to go over and help. Every time we got the ball, I was like, nah, it's fine. Just let <laughs> just just let him cross it. Uh, up front, I went for we Natronovo and uh, Anthony Stokes. Although I I thought I might have been able to do better with my front two, but. I stuck with A2. I'm most upset that I never made that, having played against you for the high school dad. <laughs> it's an absolute shambles. Do you know what? Shambles, I, was going, I was actually going to put in Big, uh, what's he, uh, big Jimmy Kostorfin for his, uh, his penalty against the, the, the championship. <laughs> Remember that? He yeah. stuck in top corner. <laughs> yeah, that was a good pen, actually. It was. But, yeah, most upset I didn't make the cut, but I'm hoping I'm on the bench at least. Uh, on the bench, I've got a team of Lee Gillis's. Yeah, that's fine, because I know originally your, your East Fife team is going to be a, a team of Johnny Smarts. So. Sure, sure, I know. It should have been a team of Johnny Smarts. Ugly team, but very decent. <laughs> Superb. So a lot of your former teammates have stuck the boot in you. So if you want to give us a Bobby Lynn story, um, you've obviously got Paul McManus, who's dropped you in it. Aye. Uh, which I, I can't say that I'm surprised at. But, you know... What's your, your stories then? What's your best one? About the guys, honestly, I don't know if I can think about it. I know the ones that I've already covered anyway. That Aberdeen night and the, and the Ireland trip are probably my, my best two stories, to be honest. But is Bobby on next week, is he? Yeah, Bobby's on yeah. next weekend. Okay. Possibly. I'll, I'll get some. I'll, yeah, possible. I'll get. Hey, that's typical Linny, though. I'm telling you. That's, that's the way he is. Yeah. That's typical uh, Linny. It was meant to be on on uh, Thursday, but we had to change it last minute because he had something come up. Yeah, so he was quite happy to tell me about the time that they phoned Bakey from the nightclub at three in the morning. Oh. Um, and 
Yeah. Oh, that's Basically true. Said, and oh, said no. from your yeah. phone and said, why am I not playing? Is that true? hundred percent. That's true. <laughs> I totally forgot about that story. And I remember going to train it. The boys never let me know. Eh? I remember going to training <laughs> on the, on the Tuesday and the gaffer's like, right, Dev. He's like, come in at my office. So I go into the office. I'm like, oh, what's going on here? He's like, and you want to say? And I'm like, because Becky was confrontational too. Eh? He wasn't scared to back down. Eh? And I'm like, oh, what's up? He's like, you phoned, you phoned me on Saturday night. Oh, did he? He's like, I, it's, you're upset that you're not playing. I'm like, wasn't it me? And he's like, I, I've got like five voicemails as well. <laughs> <laughs> Starts playing with the voicemails. Eh? And all you hear is the, the nightclub music. <laughs> and then all you hear is uh, all the boys, all the, all the Dundee boys. And all you can hear is that. I'm like, I'm like to the gaffer, you're for Dundee. How can you not tell that's a Dundee accent? And he's like, ah, oh, they're bastards. <laughs> I'm like, hell, boys. That actually happened to, that happened to me once with John Roberts and Tay. I pocket dialed them by mistake when I was uh, at my pal's house. I, think was, I was at my pal Aaron's house and I was having a house party and I pocket dialed them. And he was like, oh, Deb, do you have a good night on Saturday? I'm like, oh, it was all right, gaffer. He's like, I, I know I could tell. I heard the whole thing. He's like, you left, <laughs> you left me a 20-minute voicemail. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> But if, if Lenny's on next week, I'll, I'll, I'll rack my brain. I'll, I'll, I'll uh, get you ping my message. Oh, aye. Definitely. Um, there's one thing that we've not touched on. Um, you've mentioned it a couple of times briefly, and I can't believe we've left this out of our questioning. The win against Aberdeen. Yeah. Incredible, eh? Yeah. Aye. No, that's, it's incredible. The, my second favourite moment after Peter Head, obviously, was that game. And watching it back, it was like, because when you're playing football, you don't really realise if, if you think you're, you're just in a battle and you're, you're just kicking lumps and punting it. But we actually played some good football that night. And I was really impressed actually watching it back at how, how good we actually played. We should have beat them outright, but to beat yeah. them on penalties, even better. And it was, that, was a great, that was a great night. Do you know my memories of that game? I'd started a new job and it was like four o'clock and I wasn't long with my wife. And I texted her, I was like, you fancy going up to Aberdeen tonight? And she was like, yeah, if you want. And I was, I was like, look, I was like, because my wife likes football, quite lucky that way. I was like, well, we'll we go up. And she was like, yeah, if you want. I was like, right, perfect. I'll get you back at the flat. Quick change and we'll go up the road. Eh? And like, we just got home. And I can't remember what happened, but she was like, do we have to? And I was a bit like, Look, I was, I was like, oh, I suppose so. She's like, because you're going to get hammered. I was like, aye, there's, there's no point. I was like, it was on the radio. So we sat and listened to it on the radio. Oh, you did, aye. And, yeah. And I remember being absolutely livid because the only other big scalp that we'd had before that was when we beat St Mirren at Love Street in the Cup yeah. and Craig O'Reilly scored yeah. that peachy volley. And I missed that as well because I was working. So I was a bit like, it's maybe a, a recurring theme that I seem to miss as beating the big teams, but... Yeah, I mean, I remember Hesse playing an absolute... Now, I am in by no way, shape or form a Hesse fan. You're talking about the pillars that Hesse got, I was probably front of the queue, um, greeting face shite that he is. But the, he played an absolute blinder, absolute blinder. Um, Centre half tournament. as well. Yeah. I know, the, the thing I, I, the, I look back on is, that, that game was all good, but... Going into the quarters against Kilmarnock, we played even better. Yeah. And we got nothing. Just big, we got, got the early red card. Because that Kilmarnock game, I, I hope he's five TV shows again, but I don't know if I can find it anywhere. But I'd love to watch that game because I thought we played really well that game. 
and we we had some amount of fans through that night. Hey? Was, yeah, I was at that one. I think that was I think <laughs> we had more that night than Aberdeen. But um, yeah. that game, I was just I looked back and I was thinking about the other day. I was like, because if, if we'd beaten them, which we we played we played well enough to beat them, we would have had Air United in the next round with chance to yeah. go to Hamden. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, so close. And if, if you look at the, these five managers that have come in after you, mm-hmm. Gary Naismith, Barry Smith, and now you've got Darren Young, is there any of them that you look like, wish I got to play for them? Obviously, being an Everton man, oh, obviously, I know I, was, I loved his episode. Being, being an Everton, not a massive fan, but it's my team. Um, that would have been incredible. And uh, who was after Gary again, you said? Gary was um, Barry Smith. Barry Smith. So I don't really know. I, I don't know. I played against him a few times, so I don't know. Was he, he didn't have a, he had two jobs, right? Is he at Brecon and then us, or? Um, he went to Brecon after us. After. Um, but he managed Dundee. Um, oh right, that's right. Aye. He managed Dundee, and then I think that was it. He went off the boil, and then he came back to us. No, he went to Alawa, then he came to us. Right, and then obviously Daz Young. I played. Uh, didn't play with Dad. He was in the first team when I was a reserve. At ah, you were so YTS or something, weren't you? When he was uh, I, when he was there, yeah. yeah. Uh, I didn't really... I know him, but I'm not really close with him. But uh, him and Derek are two legends of the game, actually. I'd, so I, I was, I was uh, happy to see that caliber of manager. Hopefully we can yeah. keep him up. I listened to his episode this morning, actually. But mm. if he gets his chance to move, good for him. But... Yeah, hopefully he does well for us. That means he gets a move, right? That's all you can hope for. But it's good yeah. to see the because when I was at East Faith, the the board didn't have the best reputation. But it looks like they're getting uh, they're getting back. Yeah, hundred percent. I think that you know we, we touched on it in Gary Naismith's episode. He was really the catalyst for the change and bringing the fans together. But I think that the board just now, I think because there's so many fans on the board, that's where the real change is. So you've got Stephen Mill, you've got Liam Anderson, you've got Leona Gide, who's a associate director as well. So there's there's a, a base of fans in it, and, and it just means there's that club interest at heart, yeah. rather than being run solely as a business. So yeah, well, that's great. So, I mean, we've talked about just the, the current guys and the current team. Have you had a chance to follow the team much? Like, do you watch these five TV or? Uh, I, I honestly check it through uh, the BBC, unfortunately. But if you guys are going to be doing this, this will be my new news outlet because it's so hard to stay in touch with it eh? because you don't Aye. get, there's no, there's no the forums, there's nothing. Uh, my, I think my dad still tries to get to, to some games, so he's been keeping me in touch, but he'll, he's still a Pars guy. He's still got his, uh, he's got a season ticket still at East End, so he's still, he's still a Pars guy, but I think he's been to Bayview a few times. So I try and keep in touch through that, but it's, it's pretty hard. Well, the games, at least for you, is at 10am. I've got to get up at 7am if I want to watch them. I know. I, I love that the Premier League is, is way better to watch it here than back in. Like 10 o'clock game, 12 o'clock game, 3 o'clock game. And, and you can watch every game. I, I was saying that to Lee last, last time. It's like everything's on. If, if you've got the zone, you can get every single thing. Yeah. That's well, what, enjoy uh, it while you can, mate, because once that kid comes, <laughs> I know. game over. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely game over. I know. Um, I'm sure I get yeah. it all in. I'm going to get a season ticket at Bayview um, this time for the first time since my kid's been born. And that's only because you're three now that I could potentially get away with it. I've still not 
broached that with a wife yet, but you know, now, now that I've announced it to our legion of followers, she's going to yeah. have to just be okay with it's, it. She's got to. So that mean that that's pretty much it. That was fantastic. Really, really enjoyed that. That's been a very enjoyable chat. Yeah, it's no I, problem, I'm, guys. Well, any chance to speak in positive ways these days is. I'll lap it up, man. It's so hard to get some positivity right now. So, oh, aye. I appreciate you guys reaching out to me, and I'd just like to say thanks to you guys for doing this because honestly, this is good for the club. Whether it's meant to be that way or just to get the word out there, but this this helps the club in so many ways because if we if you get this rolling and rolling, players for other teams will sit up and notice that, and it could be a deciding factor if you're like, oh, I can go to Brecon or East Fife. Or they've got East Fife TV, they've got the podcast, the, the club's well run. That could be like a, a factor, so just keep it going. So that was uh, great stuff from Div Muir there. Divs Muir's episode has been sponsored by the East Fife Supporters Club. So we want to thank Caroline Maxwell at East Fife Supporters Club for our donation. Um, and she's asked me to read out a little bit about the Supporters Club itself. So East Fife Supporters Club was formed by a group of fans who wanted to give a little bit more money to the club. They're closely linked but independent from the club, as well as raising vital funds for the club. Uh, and they also act as a sounding board for the fans and for the team alike. Fundraising is vital. Monies raised through the Supporters Club go directly to East Fife with cheques presented uh, both Christmas and at the Player of the Year celebrations which the Supporters Club organise at the end of each season. Sponsorships of these events is always appreciated. The Supporters Club also participates in the shirt sponsorship and player sponsorship. Uh, almost all home games Supporters Club members can be found in the concourse selling uh, memberships, raffle tickets, merchandise, plus the odd bucket day and raising vital funds. They also hold quiz nights in the lounge, which are becoming very popular. Uh, all this hard work has seen the club, uh, the Sports Club raise £21,000 over the last five years. Membership for the, um, the East Face Supporters Club is only £10 for adults and £5 for under-16s. Members are able to purchase matchday tickets early. Last year, the, the games against Hearts, Ra- uh, two against Wraith and two against Falkirk were all ticket before they go on sale to the general public. They also get priority tickets for any Supporters Club functions. Members last season was just over 100 and with everyone keen to get back to Bayview in the not-too-distant future, the Supporters Club hope to double that number this coming season. Fantastic. They do such a good job for the club. And yep, thanks so much for, for sponsoring this episode and that chat with Dev. Great chat with Dev there. Some fantastic stories. I'm sure we yeah. could get him on again for another couple of hours and get a few more. Yeah, he's just the sort of guy you could just chat to all night. And um, I mean, I, I literally said to him, I thought that that was going to be a you know a quick hour. I said to my family, you know, it'll be a quick hour. And here we are, two hours later. Um, and I, I, I still felt that we could have chatted. Um, so thank, huge thanks to Dev. And obviously you let in a lot of uh, good conversations and a lot of behind the scenes stuff there. Yeah, a really great guy. I hope you enjoyed that as much as we enjoyed chanting. Want to talk in this part a little bit just about general Scottish football. Now, the big talking point this week, of course, is Hearts and Partick going to the court of session, being challenged by the, the football authorities and also by Cove Rangers, Wraith Rovers and Dundee United about the whole promotion relegation, what's going to happen. Now, we'd hope to talk a little bit about it on the show, but unfortunately, we're recording this on Wednesday and it's dragged into a second day, so we haven't got a resolution to that yet. 
And I'm sure even once the quarter session has had a resolution, that's going to drag on for a few more days as well. So we'll talk about that in next week's episode. But one thing I do want to talk about, we touched on it in last show, and I was like, did I kind of read this wrong? Had to jump the gun? The record were saying that fans could be allowed into matches sooner rather than later, maybe as soon as the end of July. And they had an article this week They haven't jumped the gun. It appeared on Monday. They said that fans could be allowed into Premier Games as soon as August, but with restrictions. The Scottish Rugby Union are hoping to get a 1,000 fans into a game at Murrayfield, uh, just a a club game, on August 22nd. That is going to be used as a test venue, but they could even get fans in as a test at Parkhead before that. The whole Murrayfield thing, is it's got a capacity of 67,144. They're going to let 1,000 fans in. So that's like 1.5% of capacity. So you could do that at at Parkhead. That would work out about 906. I'm sure they'd round it up to 1,000. But clubs like East Fife, you can't have 1.5% fans there because you're talking about 30 fans for what our capacity is. So I don't know what you're looking at for, for letting fans into to smaller stadiums, even in the Premier, like how many fans do, do you let in as well? I mean, what what's your thoughts on it, Lee? For Bayview primarily, because we're on these five podcast, what do you think initially is a good number of fans to let in to allow for distancing, to be spread out home and away segregation? It's tough, I think, when we've got this one stand to try and make this really work and get a good number of fans in? Well, if you think about it, if you, if you think about all the pictures that you're seeing at people at beaches and all that sort of stuff, it's an outdoor venue. So I think that the, we could look at this in one of two ways and, and somebody that's maybe more learned in the, in the situation could tell me otherwise. We've not got an enclosed ground, right? So we've got three open sides. So what's the difference between going there and going to a park? Right, that that's that's my thought process. Now, as it's, long it's, as we, a lot if, of it's still squeezing out, um, like yeah. having to get past people in rows if you want to go for a piss or you want to get a pie. Yeah, I suppose in a sense, but I think that you know I, I mentioned in a previous show about maybe even if we could just get the barrier around the pitch similar to what they've got at uh, Montrose at Links Park, and mm. um, we can maybe look at doing something like that. The fact that it's an Ashworth pitch may actually make that a little bit easier. But, you know, as long as we were socially distanced, so say, for example, if we had one person in a seat, but again, if you're in the same household, you'd be able to sit together. So if, if you're a family of four, you could all sit together. Okay. So maybe we look at selling a family ticket and all we have to do is we need to take people's word for it that they're not extracting the urine and yeah. say, yeah, they are a family. But again, that's the onus on these people because we can't be responsible as a club to say, well, you want to give me your driver's license so I can make sure you stay at the same address. We can't do that. But it's impossible to police. So I think that the only thing I can think of is that if you're buying a, uh, you could buy a couple's ticket if you, if you live at the same address or, uh, and I say that in invented commas, you know, you can say to people, you know, it's the same place as a normal ticket, but you can sit together. If you're buying a single ticket, you need to go in a socially distanced section and there's two spaces between every person. Yeah, it's, it's just going to be so difficult. The advantage we've got is we're starting in October and word has come out that all the League One clubs have agreed for an October start. So that's fantastic. So if they are using Parkhead, Murrayfield, the the Premier things as a guinea pig, that's allowing August, September, maybe even part of October to see how things work, 
to make sure that there's not been a spike, there's not been other outbreaks. As long as people are not able, like say someone went to Bayview and contracted COVID, you don't then want them to say, well, I caught it at Bayview, I'm going to sue East Fife. I'm not saying it would come to that. Over here, especially like in America, folks sue for the, the slightest thing. So you could see that happening, but I would hope that would not happen in Scotland or it would be a disclaimer that you're entering at your, your own risk, something like that. Yeah, it would be impossible to prove that that's where you got it from as well. And the way of trying to prove that would be impossible. Um, you might not see this when you're being abroad, but you know, in pubs, you're going to have to sign in with your name and your I address. I that, yeah. So that if somebody there's got COVID, you have to isolate. So if do we do something like that, but then it's very time consuming, who does it, blah, 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 blah. You know, the, the volunteers at East Fife do a great job as it is and asking them to do even more would be very, very difficult. So look, let's let's hope and pray that by the time October's come, we'll be out of phase four, fingers crossed, and we could go back to, to large gatherings anyway. I don't see the difference between being in Morrison's or Asda and there being two, 300 people in there not socially distanced, squeezing past people in aisles and all that sort of nonsense and somebody squeezing past you to go for a pee at the football. I mean, I, things are moving so fast as well. A month ago, like when we were first talking about this, the idea of fans being in Scottish games in August seemed so far away and now we're talking about, yeah, some fans could come in. Celtic might be able to have their flag day with fans there. Obviously a very, very small number, but... Stuff like that is incredible, and I think it just shows the hard work that we've done in Scotland. Hopefully, it's not then all fucked up and like all undone by other parts of the the UK, especially England. When you see what's happened this week, I mean, we, I've talked before about how MLS is starting a tournament in just over a week in Orlando, Florida, and the day that we're recording this, the Whitecaps' first game is in eight days' time. The team that they're playing. Six of their players, they've arrived in Florida. Whitecaps haven't left yet. Six of the Dallas players have tested positive for COVID. So it's now, they're going to quarantine for 14 days, so they can't play against the Whitecaps in eight days. We don't know if our game is going ahead or not. The club have postponed, they were meant to fly out today to go down there, so they're hanging back just now just to see if they're going to have a game to play or not. Stuff like that's farcical. Things in Germany seem to have gone without a hitch. I know fans weren't there. I just, I hope that we can trust everyone to be sensible, get fans in, because clubs like East Fife, Wigan Athletics gone into administration today. That sounds like the tip of the iceberg. And if we don't get fans into games this year, I, I fear for some clubs in Scotland. So hopefully everyone's sensible and this can all go off without a hitch. Yeah, and by chance, if there is any Wigan fans listening, you know, it's absolutely horrible, you know, what your club's going through and it's every football fan's worst nightmare. Um, you know, I've spoken in the past, um, I know that we've got some Berry fans that listen to the podcast and, you know, you think about these clubs, <laughs> your heart breaks for them. Yeah. Um, you know, it wasn't that long ago Wigan were winning the FA Cup. Yeah. You know what I mean? Play, playing in Europe, you know, some of the players that they, they had come through, you know, your Antonio Valencia's, you know, the, the players like that, um, your heart breaks for them. I mean, they've, they've been on a good run. They've won three games since they've returned. They've moved up to 14th in the table. Their fans yesterday, they played yesterday and their fans must be like, oh, this is great. I think we're going to avoid relegation. We've moved up the table. Now they're facing a 12-point deduction. Yeah, heartbreaking. But let, let's move on to lighter things now anyway. It's the time of the show 
where we find out if somebody fancies a chocolate digestive. And this week, that person is former East Fife boss, a man who's landed a championship at Bayview, Gary Naismith. So you're sitting at home, you decide to have a, a hot beverage. What would be your hot beverage of choice? A tea, a coffee or something else? Coffee. And are you a biscuit fan? No. So what, what would you have with your tea or coffee then? That's it. Yeah, I don't, I, that's what, I've not been able to really let that go since the football like Let go a little bit, but I'm not really into crisps or chocolate or biscuits or fizzy juice or that. I, maybe a... I maybe have a couple of squares there, I don't know, like a whole nut dairy milk or something like that. If it was, or a, but if I have a biscuit, I'm quite happy with just like a rich tea. Quite boring, really. A biscuit, we'll say rich tea. And if you did have that, would you dunk? Yeah, I'd have a wee dunk, but you can't dunk a rich tea too long because that is a... <laughs> that's falling off very quickly. Very quickly. Anyone fancy a chocolate so that was Gary Naismith there. Not fancying a, a chocolate digestive, sadly, but we'll find someone one day that does. But now it's time for us to open our mailbag, get our tweets and emails out, and we've had a, a lot of good chat this week, which we're, we're hoping to encourage more as the, the show goes on. I'll let Lee tell you what the big talking points have been this week. So I asked everybody the players that they love to hate, Michael. And obviously I, I mentioned that I despise John Gemmell. Um, you know, I, I didn't even get onto it last time, but I remember us meeting Queen's Park at home and my dad and I leaving the stadium and the Queen's Park bus going by and I must have been maybe like eight or nine or whatever. And John Gemmell's giving me and my dad the finger because we're walking out with our um, his five scarves on. So that just tells you what sort of character he is. And I noticed that Liam Anderson had, had a wee bit of a back and forth with him. Um, but so when I tweeted it out, um, some of the response that we got from it was great. But there, there seems to be an overriding hatred for Bobby Barr, um, a guy that made my um, all-time 11. And a, a player that, you know, I really liked us. But, you know, a lot of people, the fans saying that it's just purely because they love to get it up us. And let's be honest, he, he really, really did like to get it up us, particularly when he played against the Rovers. Um, Liam actually makes a good point that, you know, he liked to make it up for us because we gave him it every time. And I think he just maybe bit back a bit. Um, John Tindall, um, John T1903. Bobby Barr, thought he had a good uh, time with us, but boy, does he like getting it up us for some reason. Having a region at Stars Park when he did the losers dance in front of us after scoring. Arsehole. Then we had Stephen Mill, Emlyn Hughes, probably a bit before my time, um, claimed that black players didn't have a bottle to make it to the uh, top of the game, was rewarded with uh, by the BBC with a, a position as a presenter, a question of sport. So, yeah, everyone um, thought Emlyn was such a nice guy. He also has one of the worst ever Christmas songs you'll hear. He did a duet with the gymnast Suzanne Dando. It's absolutely terrible. I might play it in a future wavelength. When we do our Christmas show, I'll maybe play it in that, but it's dreadful. He deserves to be hated for that alone. <laughs> um, Grant Easton, uh, Grant T1903, came up with an absolute belter, Robbie Rayside. Uh, we used to I love won't sing this song. Time. No, definitely not PC anymore. No, I'm not allowed um, to do that anymore. 
I've told folk here that we sang that and they're like appalled. <laughs> yeah, to be honest, I actually cringed when I thought about that. And there's yeah. absolutely no way that I would sing it now. But no. yeah, and he used to get it tight from us. Alan Main was the other one that he mentioned. I don't know why. Oh, no, I, I can tell you all about Alan Main. That goes back to the cup tie with Dundee United in 1991. And... Just the incident that happened when Dundee United scored six minutes into extra time and Maine's reaction to the fans was just... Like, this is a Premier team that had just saved their skin and he's, like, giving it all to us and stuff and we hated him after that. Oh, well, there you go. That's one that I didn't know, but then again, it was only two at the time. Um, <laughs> sorry, mate. <laughs> um, Andy English, um, at Bayview Boy, David Hutton off Airdrie. Um, Maybe Andy could come on and, and give us a bit of a, a reason for that. Um, so, yeah, that's some of the um, the fans. Oh, Stephen, Stephen, which is SGR10, um, his is Graham Weir. Andrew Doigs is uh, Rory McAllister and also Bobby Barr. Bobby, um, Bobby Barr quote there was torn-faced wee shite. Mm. Um, so... Again, um, a lot of disdain for Bobby Barr. Um, I couldn't believe it. When I saw the tweets coming in, I was like, geez, what did he do so bad that yeah, pissed everyone um, off? Yeah, um, one of our, our regular contributors, Fairly Official, which is at Jaden EFFC. Hello, mate. Also not a big fan of Liam Buchanan because when he scored against us at Bayview, he ran up to our fans to celebrate. Um, I've never been a, a big Liam Buchanan fan. Even when he was at us, I just thought he had a... Too much a swagger for, for my liking. He's a um, good player, though. He is a good player. But um, David Goodwillie um, was another one from Jaden, um, and I think that goes without saying. Um, don't think the guy should be playing the game, but that's just an opinion. Then mm. go Max McCarroll, uh, Max Lott McCarroll, uh, Bobby Mann for me, purely because he always showed it for Peterhead and always seemed to score at every appearance at Bayview. That's a very good point. Um, another player that I put in that bracket was Mark Yardley. I hated him. Oh. Fat um, bastard. I mean, I, I can't lose those in fat houses don't throw cakes, but, um, you know, I, I just seem to remember the ball would just land on his gut and he would just be able to bring it down every time. No bother. Always um, did well against us. Yeah. And we had Luke Aitken, Bobby Barr, Bruno Conti, Lothian underscore Sky, said Doogie McCracken. You might be able to fill that Yeah, now, Doogie, I just found out a couple of weeks ago, I didn't realise this, Doogie actually passed away, was completely oblivious to that. He was a centre-back, and the East Five fans hated him because they thought he was terrible. One particular away game, we went to Stranraer, and we brought two bales of hay on the supporters' bus, and we went to a grocer's in Stranraer, and we all bought two carrots each, and the grocer was like, uh, what the fuck's going on here? Why is everyone buying just two carrots? And then at the game... We threw hay at him and threw the carrots at him and called him a donkey for the whole 90 minutes. This was a guy that was playing for us. Also, the bus got trashed with hay and we were never allowed to book in that bus company ever again. Anyway. Yeah. Good joke there. Yeah, but also, (laughs) RIP Doogie, I I couldn't believe he'd passed away. I, I believe he took his own life, but when you think of that and then you think of the abuse we gave him, it kind of... Puts it all into perspective, really. Yeah, um, I can't say that 
apart from Callum Antel, I've ever gave anybody that level of abuse at a game. So, uh, but again, it's it's just one of those things that you don't think about what goes on behind closed doors and and how things you could say can have an effect on people. But yeah. we'll move on from that and uh, rest in peace, Doogie. Um, we're going to go along now to one of our all-time 11s. They've not been coming in as much as we would like to see, so don't forget to tweet us at Glory Days of Gold on Twitter or Facebook and search Glory Days of Gold on that um, for your all-time 11s. So we're going to go to one um, for Mr. Peter McHugh. Peter says, when I was thinking about the best 11 that I've seen play, I saw my first game in 1962 in the Balkan in the 60s and 70s with a few later on after I'd moved away from the area. So here goes my best 11 from the earlier years. He's gone for Ernie McGarren goals, back four of Sturrett, Maris, Clark and McQuaid. He's gone for Pitts, Quinn, Rutherford and midfield and a front three of Miller, um, Dewart and McPhee. Um, that's a, that's a bet- good team. Yeah, and his bench is gone for Davy Gorman, Duncan, Young, Kinsella, and Waddell. Yeah, I mean that that's it's going back a bit, even a lot of those guys way way before my time as well. But oh, what a team that would have been! I forgot about Robert Pritz playing for us in the mid nineties. That's another like we've talked about some players that it's weird. You see that they signed for for East Fife. Derek Riordan's a, a guy that that we've talked about a, a couple of times, but. Yeah, when Robert Pritt signed for us, I thought that was just like, wow. Just a, a crazy signing. He was always very purple in the face, though. Just slightly before my time, I think. Um, but, you know, the, the other one that I remember was Goran Stanich when we signed him. <sighs> so, yeah, so we, we do have the in us to, to pull a big name out of the bag. Stephen Hughes, Gary Naismith, mm-hmm. um, Robert Nielsen. Stevie Crawford. Uh, the crawl, you know, so there's definitely we've got that in our bag. So thanks very much for that, Peter. Um, unfortunately, I can't comment much on it myself because it is slightly before my time. Um, but I'm sure that Michael's a big fan of that, and I'm sure that people, listeners like my dad and um, some of the older generation, will, will have a bit more of appreciation for that than I have. Yeah, definitely. And as Lee said, keep them coming in. You can tweet us them at Glory Days of Gold. Or shoot us an email, glorydaysofgold at gmail.com. But not got too much more of tonight's show to go. It's Wavelength time now for any new listeners that aren't sure what Wavelength is. It's our part of the show where we play a song all about football. Could be by a proper band, could be by a football team, could be by a footballer himself even. Just not Emlyn Hughes. But we're going back to 1991 for this one. And I'm trying to initially keep these that, that were playing to have Scottish connections. So this is from Dundee singer-songwriter Michael Mara. It's from his On Stolen Stationery album. And it's about a legendary goalkeeper from the Scottish game. Sadly, he played with Wraith Rovers for, for a stint. But I think most of us remember him from his time at Dundee United. It's about Hamish McAlpine. And it's called Hamish. Keeping out the wolf in his particular way A smile and a wave are miraculous, save they say 
Out runs Hamish and the balls in Invergowrie Bay. Up at Tanadice, as they gently terrorize, call the sentry, oh, Hamish, give us a song. Raising the voices as high as the bridge is long. Nassau said hello and did you miss him while his voice was gone? I remember that time it was an evening game. European tie in the howling rain. Thus Foy pointed to the side of the goal and said There's Grace Kelly by Taylor Brothers Cole in Tanadice As the fortunes rise Smiling when he hears Ah, oh, it's only a game Win, lose or draw You'll get home to your bed Just the same Hamish Stokes Young man's dreams Into a burning flame Stokes young man's dreams into a burning flame That was Michael Mara there with Hamish, in brackets, The Goalie, from 1991 and his on-stolen stationary album. Now, I know Hamish McAlpine's probably not a player that you ever got to see play, Lee. I saw him play a couple of times at Wraith Rovers. You made your confession early on that you were a Rangers fan growing up. Here's my confession. When I first started going to watch East Fife, because I was young, my mum wouldn't let me go to away matches, so I'd go to East Five one week and I'd go to the Rovers the next week. If things had worked out differently, I could have been a Rovers fan. Yeah, um, I've been told by my mum that I need to watch my language on uh, the podcast, so I'll not call you what I want to call you right now, but I will make a slight admission that my mum's boss, who um, has started listening to the podcast as well, and took me to the Rovers a few times and even bought me a Rover scarf um, to try and win over my um, affections, but it didn't last. I, I saw the light, a black yeah. and gold light. I, I was always black East Fife first. Black light? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I 
<laughs> I was always his five first. I was never going to be be the Rovers, but yeah, just think if I'd been a Rovers fan, I'd have, I'd have celebrated. I'd have actually have seen cups won. <laughs> but we have won a championship, so I mean we've won two now, so that's fine. But yeah, that I mean Hamish McAlpin, you would never have seen him play, would you? Have you heard of him? Nah. No. And generally, no, generally my football knowledge is pretty extensive. So um, I, I tend to do pretty well, but no, it's, it's not one that I could say I've heard of. But now that I've heard the song, I'll maybe need to do a bit of my Judah Legends. Well, one of, the, one of the things he was most famous for is he would swing on the crossbar. Like, obviously not when the ball was anywhere near him. He, so the fans would chant, Hamish, Hamish, swing on the bar. And he was just swinging it like an ape. It was just, he was, he was a right character. It's one of those kind of characters from old Scottish football that you don't get as much anymore. But, I mean, goalkeepers in general, they're a rare breed. I did a, one of my shows I, I did out here, I did a goalkeeper special. And I, I spoke to a couple of goalkeepers just about what makes them tick and whether they are a little bit crazy. And it's interesting hearing some of their stories. And it's a strange position because... If you're a, a substitute or a backup goalkeeper, you're basically hoping that your teammate gets injured or you're never going to get a chance to play. Or you're hoping that they completely make a mess during the game and like goals and you're going to get your chance. It's a it's a, a weird position. It's a position as I got older that I started to play as well. And yeah, I think you have to be a little bit nuts really to be a goalkeeper. Yeah, I played in goals when I was younger. Um, and... I think that the only reason I played in goals is that I was never quick. So I wasn't quick enough to run. Um, I was born with a, a pretty strange gait, so I kind of looked like a bit like a penguin when I was running. So um, it wasn't something that uh, I did very well. But I think that to be a keeper, you, you, you've got to have a thick skin because you know you, you, if you can see the goal, people look at you and ask if you could have done better. And yeah. um, you know, you're all got to be diving at strikers' feet. I mean, literally, there was a game that I played. In fact, it was for East Fife, Young Fifers, when I was younger, and I got a knee right to the nose, and my nose just absolutely burst. Um, you know, and you do get that, and then after that, or if you're as much a wimp as I am about going down to boys' feet. Um, in case you, you're going to get somebody's knee in your face or you know studs in the back of the neck I've, I mean I had it all when I was younger so I think you do have to be a little bit of a mentalist to, to playing goals but I mean some of the greatest characters of the games were goalkeepers as well mm-hmm. so you've got to think about that I mean we had some great goalkeepers I mean Willie McKillock's been one that's been mentioned a few times he was brilliant Yeah. Um, and, and I mean even when he came back obviously he had I'm sure it was like like a meat van or whatever it was I remember every time he used to take a goal kick he'd go oh sausages yeah, <laughs> and he used to absolutely love it <laughs> oh jeez yeah so, I mean, I, I had the pleasure a couple of years ago of getting to speak to Bruce Grobelar because he played for the Whitecaps here in the 80s and he was just such a nice guy and his stories and, like, he was a crazy guy as well and, yeah, I mean, there's been a few of them. One of my, like, I don't have many personal football glory stories from actually playing but the one that always sticks in my mind is that there used to be a... a tournament in the 90s it was for all the fanzines in Scotland so AFTN was at it the the first year we finished fourth then we finished third then we finished second and then they stopped having the tournament and we were set to win it I'm pretty sure the next time but the year that we finished as runners-up in the semi-final we were one goal up in the dying seconds and I was in goal and I'd come out and I'd made a save and the ball 
flew over me and it was going towards the goal when it would have taken us to penalties and somehow I got up off my ass, leaped towards the goal and tipped it away with my fingertips around the post. It was just the most amazing save I've ever done. I could never do it again. And that just sticks in my head because it was the most magical thing I've ever done. Adrenaline just got hold of me and I just saw the ball going in. I was like, no! But yeah. Yeah, it's... No, I mean, um, I, I can't remember. I think it was maybe the first show that we spoke about and I can't remember who it was now that messaged me. Stevie Gill. And we, we played for the Young Fifers and it was at Lesser Hamden. Oh, nice. And uh, yeah, I, I played there and it was in a tournament. And I always remember that Bertie Bassett was there. I think Bassett's must have sponsored that. And he was going about with a bag of sweets. This is going off subject. But and a cheeky smile. A bag of... <laughs> Bertie Bassett is a pizza. <laughs> so he's... <laughs> he's going about with a plastic bag full of sweets and he's like giving one respect for his kid. And then these wee guys going in, just go up and grab the arse out the back and pull it. All the sweets are <laughs> 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 but that wasn't what I was going to talk about but I just came back to my mind there and it was hilarious but yeah I played at Lesser Hamden and saved three penalties in a game and scored from the halfway line you'd mentioned about that I was going to ask yeah. you more about that because it's like I'm like if that was me I would be telling that story to anybody that I sat down with yeah. it's like you know what I saved three penalties in a game once yeah three, three penalties in a game um, and then scored from the halfway line because I got bored and took the ball out. <laughs> and but by the way, that's that makes the me sound like thing. a lot better than I am. It's the magical thing about football. It's like, that's why we love the game. Whether you're watching, playing, it just gives you all these stories and all these memories. And I think that's why it, it just it captures people's imaginations and why it just means so much to us. And like us doing these shows, getting to talk to, to all the old players. And we're going to be talking to the current ones as well. But, I mean, it's just brilliant. And, like, even just doing these first five episodes, the memories that have come back to me that I'd forgotten about, like the whole sausages thing that you mentioned, I'd completely forgotten about that. And it's it's just... That's why we love the game so much. So hopefully you guys are enjoying all these things as well. And let us know any of your just random weird memories as well. We'd love to hear them. But that's pretty much it for, for the show. Anything else you want to talk about or anything you want to plug this week? Nothing to plug except from thanks to the support for our usual sponsors. So that's KJK Installations in Glen Office. Massive thank you to Kevin as always and to Andy Inch and Hannah Kerr at Fife Pro Wrestling Asylum for their ongoing support. Um, one thing that I will ask you um, as per usual, if you want to make any donations to go towards our board, that would be absolutely fantastic. We're very, very close to our goal. Um, big thank you to my mum and dad um, who gave us a, a little donation this week to help us get towards our board. So thank Thank you very much. The other thing that I'm looking to ask is for everybody that's listening to the podcast, if you could please hit subscribe. And we're very, very doing very, very well in terms of our numbers. And I think that definitely went out of the um, the scope that Michael and I thought we were going to get. Initially, we said that um, if we got fifty, we would be happy. And and you know, most episodes are getting three, four hundred. So and I, and I expect that to grow when people start commuting back to work and things like that. But if you could please hit subscribe, share it with your friends. You know, if we're commenting on Twitter, tag them in it, recommend our podcast, tell your friends and family about us. Um, one of the things that I'm looking at just now is merch. So if you would like a t-shirt or if you would like a hat or if you would like 
whatever um, it's something that I'm looking at doing um, obviously all the, the funds profits that were made from it would go towards um, improving the podcast go towards our sponsorship board but we want to try and do as much as we can to put some money into the club this again I'm just going to reiterate in case you're sick of me saying it but it's not for profit we're not pocketing any of the cash um, it's, it's literally purely going towards supporting the club yeah absolutely and if you're on any football forums as well like we'd appreciate it if you mention especially stuff like pie and bovro it's always good to kind of get stuff out out there and leave any reviews as well or on apple podcast itunes depending on what part of the world you're listening and it's called different things i mean that that all helps with us kind of rising up the the list of, of what shows are recommended and various things like that give us a, a good rating as well if you've enjoyed it if you haven't enjoyed it yeah don't bother we, yeah we don't just leave it to, yeah. yeah don't, don't leave any you're obviously an arsehole anyway yeah <laughs> <laughs> but and lee where can folk find you online if you want to find me online, I'm very, very easy to find on Twitter, just Leegee1903. Or if you want to be my friend on Facebook, Lee Gillis. Let's be pals. And you can give the podcast a follow on Twitter. We've changed the handle, as we mentioned earlier on. It's now at Glory Days of Gold. You can find us on Facebook as well. Just search Glory Days of Gold. That will come up. Might even do an Instagram at some point. If we do, that'll be up to Lee. I've had an Instagram account for AFTN over here for three years and I so seldom post on it. It's just, yeah. You're the phone whiz. I prefer using a laptop. That's that's the main reason I don't really use Instagram. Well, my plan for Instagram is when I actually start interviewing people face-to-face, that's when we can start getting things up on that. But we do have our... Uh, picture that we had with Darren Young the other day we've still got ones to upload from Gary Naismith and Div Muir and stuff so well, I'll, I'll maybe venture into our Glory Days of Gold um, Instagram account at one point uh, Another thing that, that we're going to be doing is we're going to have our own YouTube channel Glory Days of Gold and we're going to put up select clips from these Zoom chats that we've done as well so watch out for that in the, the coming weeks and months I'm Michael McCall. You can find me on Twitter at AFTN website for the Scottish football content and at AFTN Canada for North American stuff. If you've got an interest in MLS, check out my Twitter there. Also check out AFTN.ca. That'll have all our North American coverage and AFTN.co.uk, which has got all our kind of East Fife historical stuff that we've put up. So been grateful for everyone that's checked out the site. I've had a few nice messages from people that are glad to see some of the stuff back. But that is it for this episode of the show. Hope you've enjoyed it. We will be back very soon with another great interview and a lot more chat. Until then, thanks for listening. Take care, stay safe, and more the Fife. Going to your first match is an experience you never forget. The atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful and you always look and go, wow, I'd love to play here one day. If you get the bug, it's going to stay with you for life.